モーニングプロジェクトプレゼンツ And ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome everyone back to the latest episode of the Generic Video Game Podcast number 11. And once again, your ears are joined by myself, the iPhone 6 Toten Anthony, as well as my prestigious Evo 2015 finalist co host, Molly. Um. I don't know if finalist is really something that works. I mean, I will talk about my adventures in, in Evo tournaments, but.、Um, so, yeah, so iPhone 6, you got one. I, you know, it's、uh, doing、Exciting. this gaming show, and I've become so brainwashed in the、uh, last year with Apple products that.、Um, you have. A piece of me almost wishes I can discuss the iPhone. <laughs> but no, like, I'm sitting here, I'm sitting in front of me right now. I have my iPhone, my iPad, my MacBook Air, so I cannot talk.、Uh, it's out of control.、Uh, my, yeah. habits, my habits after work, once I'm drained and in vegetable mode, Monday through Friday,、uh, after I get home, get comfortable, I'm on the couch, and at my side and in front of me, literally simultaneously, are the iPhone, the Mac Air on my lap, and the Apple TV going on the main set. But you know what?、Um, like, and, and this happened before I even got the iPhone 6, which kind of changed things. But I've kind of more and more been getting to be that person that uses my iPhone. And I mean, this, this to be fair, this could be any kind of smartphone, I think. But、um, I use my iPhone like way more than my computer at this point. You know, like, I think if there are certain things that I do that I have to have a computer, like obviously work stuff. Right. And. You know, putting together podcasts and designing sites and things like that. But I think back to like when I was living in Japan and kind of like what I did at that point. And I think I totally at this, you know, could have lived my entire life with just a phone、uh, if I had an iPhone. And it's amazing to me now, like how much I do use it. And so I'm kind of curious because, you know, I was in your position.、Uh, I got mine late last year, and I had the iPhone 5S up until that point.、Um, I don't know if I was one of those people convinced, you know, had drink, drunk the Kool Aid that we didn't need bigger screens, but I was kind of a little wary of getting a bigger screen. I'm like, you know, the small one's doing all I needed to do and everything and getting stuff done. And then I took the chance, I got the iPhone 6. Like my first week or so, I thought it was way, way too big. I couldn't stand it. And now I'm actually at the point where I'm thinking about an iPhone 6 Plus. You know, going to the even bigger screen. Well, let me say this. Let me backtrack a little bit from the top. In terms of all the Apple products I currently own, if I had to rank them in terms of my current usage, it would go the phone pretty much by default because the phone is with you everywhere. Yeah. And then rating it by Apple products and Apple by name. It would have to go so it goes phone, Apple TV, Mac Air, then iPad Air for me. So that's kind of the order. Now, even at dead last at the, at the,、uh, with the iPad, I, that still gets、uh, good usage. Now, back to your statements. In regards well, wait, 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 before you go on, I、yep. was going to say、um, the iPad is weird with me because I do have. Through work, I have the 11 inch MacBook Air. And I think if I didn't have that, my, my iPad would get more use in terms of when I go on to events and on trips and stuff like that.
Um, but because I do have like the smallest, well, almost, I guess because the new, the new really thin one, uh, might be less weight, but cause I have like one of the smallest, thinnest, you know, lightest MacBooks that are out there. It's, it's still really easy for me to take that along with me. Well, and so, it, yes. And I look at it this way with the one you're speaking of the 11 inch Mac air. I have a 13, a coworker of mine at the office has what you have. Mm-hmm. The the thing with what you're describing makes a lot of sense because I almost even a 13 inch I have I look at it like the keyboard with it solves a lot of problems for actually doing quote work and it's still light and thin enough where it's almost like having a tablet with keyboard attachment. Yeah, I mean, because like I guess I do have a I do have an iPad keyboard, one of those ones that works that doubles as kind of the the mm-hmm. cover mm-hmm. for it. So. Yeah, I mean, like, it's it's been kind of, like, I, I'm glad I have the iPad, but it is sometimes hard to find where it fits in. Like, like right now, it's kind of mostly my, my manga and comic book reader. You got it. So, for me, it would be a certain magaz- magazines, yeah. uh, manga, and sometimes sp- if something else is charging or speed, meaning I know I'm not going to need a keyboard and I maybe just want to check some emails or I have it at my side. That's where I use the term speed. So it comes in handy as kind of an alternative and for select reading. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I can't I can't boast enough about how much those products have changed my life. I feel it makes things a lot easier, especially in the podcasting world. Um, my switch over to Apple in recent months a lot of that decision has come down to when doing this show is whether it be Double Plus Good Games, whether it be the Generic Video Game Podcast, Space Suplex. I was almost always the odd duck out using PC equipment, and there were certain built-in programs with the Mac products that I either had to band-aid onto my PC or buy separately. So anyway, long story short, it's made my life a lot easier. I don't regret it. If I were to throw one more plug in there for Apple, uh, for people at home who are still paying 100 to 150 or 180 bucks a month for cable, cut that cord, buy an Apple TV for like 70 bucks. You'll need an HDMI cable if you don't have an extra. So under 90 bucks, you own the equipment. Get rid of your cable. One time only, you own the equipment and you pick and choose what you want. Maybe if you got a few streaming services, but paying a hundred north of a hundred bucks a month for cable i cut my uh line in 2007 and uh, apple tv has made it a lot lot easier yeah i mean i use my um either my ps3 or my ps4 for that so because i mean i'm subscribed to netflix and hulu and then of course there's like youtube for various stuff and like uh, I know, there's other things like HBO Go. Finally, has come on some things. And now, but, who? Yeah, keep going. I'm sorry. No, I, I was gonna say I'm. I'm curious now though, because I don't know if you saw this, but there's the rumors that the the soon to be revealed upcoming revision for Apple TV is finally when we're gonna get apps on it properly. Oh, oh so wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So, so it would pretty much open up the entirety of the apps from the iTunes Store. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, because right now there are apps on the on the Apple sure. TV, but it, they're all things that have been blessed by Apple as far as being on there. Right. Kind of like the the running hope people had was that maybe Apple would move 
it to iOS or something similar that could then have actual app store where you can make and sell apps. And that sounds like it's finally going to be there. Hmm. I don't know. I think the question is, of course, you know, you can't just port over like, you know, iOS apps because those are all like touchscreen based. So what do you do? So I don't know if it's going to be a special flavor of iOS, you know, um, where you can just port your apps over very easily or if it's going to be kind of more based on Mac OS or what it's going to be. But that's kind of the rumor going around. What I had heard was Apple may finally be opening the floodgates, which let me make an asterisk here, which this does not interest me because it's part of the reason of me cutting the cord. But Apple may finally be able to offer some sort of local TV type packages for each city for like maybe 20 to 30 bucks tops a month. Now, that still beats the heck out of cable and owning the equipment yourself, that's still a big savings. But I will admit, in my mind, I have absolutely no reason to spend another 20 30 bucks a month. Because that's a big chunk of why I'm trying to get away from that model. And I right. have, you know what I mean? So, But that will be offered, potentially. And uh, But anyway, yeah, I, I, I use that thing all the time. And it's so funny because of all the devices I own, I thought I was going to use that device the least. Yeah, I guess like I mean, I, I I guess the reason like I haven't gotten over to it is that, um, I and I want to be careful how I say this because I'm not like pirating like Hollywood movies or anything, but I I do tend to download a lot of Asian TV shows that are not offered on in, in you know mm. on our shores. Mm. Um. And a lot of the things, especially, they need subtitles that aren't always, um, you know, hard-coded into the video. that are like subtitle files. So, I, I don't think it's, I mean, because I tried before kind of putting, because I think in order to use Apple TV for videos, it has to all be run through iTunes on your computer. Unless it's, unless it's local or streaming on the Apple TV, right? Yes, it has access to one's iTunes account, so whatever music, podcasts, shows, movies one has purchased, or you can view that portion of the store on the the Apple TV. Also, you can airplay anything on your screen from the iPhone or laptop device as well. Yeah, so the problem has been that Apple's always been pretty bad about supporting a lot of different for video formats beyond those they specifically want to use for their own stuff. So kind of like I had this thing set up where my PS3 can transcode things from my computer and just stream into my PS3. So that's why I've kind of been using that instead. And I, and I never really had the interest in the Apple TV, but I think my interest shoots up dramatically if we get to a point where it can suddenly have apps where you could maybe have extra media player stuff you could maybe have emulators or and you know i hate this is kind of the way the world's going you know with how many games are now going to the mobile space and that's kind of where gaming is being pushed then maybe in a weird way the apple tv becomes this kind of next console that you almost have to have to get some of the projects that these companies are working on now I would be kind of for that if they offered like a, uh, you know, like a cost-effective 
you know, alternative remote that was like a game pad, like a like an old school SNES or NES type pad to get some sort of tactile functionality. Well, I mean, that, yeah, that, that, that's the problem. Yeah, is they, what do they do controller wise? I mean, if they were able to do that, that would be huge. But you know? that's that, yeah. I mean, that's like because <laughs> I hate to even say this. Like, obviously, one question is. Are you sitting there just using your iPhone as your controller, you know? Mm. If so, that's the worst thing in the entire world. <laughs> um, but Apple, like, it's it's sad because iOS and mobile gaming in general has become such a dominant platform for where games are going at this point. But companies like Apple are just so behind the times in terms of control and actually understanding that there needs to be one concentrated push, you know, because you have all these different companies releasing all these different kind of options for, for controllers for these things, but none of them are standardized, as far as I know, unless that's changed recently. Um, they're all kind of like their own separate pushes for this stuff. Like, you have to have one really official standard for this stuff. Right. And I really wish that if that <clears throat> happens, that Apple TV does come out and they're like, okay, now we have game controllers, so you can have game stuff. Because um, I know there's been a lot of pushes for kind of the, uh, you know, the Android box. You've had Ouya, GameStick, and at least a few other things. Can I say something? You said Android, and this, I'm going to say something. This might be a bit controversial. This is going to be very snobbish. I got done saying this to a couple people privately recently. And I don't like to swear on this show. I do my best to keep things uh, fairly PG. But I'm going to come out and say this, and I'm a former Droid owner. Uh, I'm talking more specifically with some of their phones, not all of them, and I'm not talking about their tablets, so I don't want to, you know. But I tell you, after using the iPhone, in terms of the smoothness or the way the operating system is done, and I was helping out, uh, I won't pinpoint this person, I was helping out a relative recently, and that person recently got a nice smartphone. Go, graduating finally from a flip phone, getting out of the Stone Age, even though, on a side note to you, you may be aware of this kind of trendy-wise right now, flip phones are kind of coming back as a trend. But aside from that, so the relative showed me the phone, I helped the person out, and I didn't say this, but I guess, you know, to this person, this is, this is you know, it's great. It does more, way more than enough. It was a mm-hmm. droid-based phone. But when I used that thing, the first thing I thought to myself after having used the iPhone now for the last two-plus years, I said, what a piece of shit. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it just felt like a piece of shit. And uh, I don't know if you feel that way or if you have coworkers or other people you interact with. And do you ever take a look at their phones or use them for a bit or just see what's going on? Well, I mean, like, I think there's... <sighs> For me, there's some bias because I've only ever used like the Apple stuff, and that's what I know and like I love. Um, like I don't think Google's like efforts are bad at all. I think the problem that they have, and one of the things that Apple has always had as a strength, is that Google isn't doing the entire package. You know? Right. They're, they're doing the OS, but then for most of the offerings, they're coming from companies who then those companies have their own you know they, their own fingers wanting that wanting to get into pockets and stuff and right. so you you have companies that make their own os wrappers or front ends and kind of load google's efforts down with garbage and junk and stuff like that and then you also kind of have google and i mean and then also you know making phones that aren't specifically for 
that OS. They're just kind of like platforms to run stuff on. Right. And then, you know, I love Google. I use a lot of Google products, but they are more the engineer type. So I think Google's always much better at offering options to people, but the the overall experience isn't as good. Whereas with Apple, the overall experience is usually much better, but they're far worse at giving people options for stuff. Right. It's kind you of know, a trade-off. But yeah, like, like if you don't like the Apple way, then you're screwed a lot of times. But, I, you know, and it all differs. It's different from person to person, but I got to tell you, for most everything I do, there's no, you know... I'm not. I'm not sitting at home with a development kit or trying to bust open the mainframe of the Droid operating system. And you know, I just. I just want something that's quick, works, and I don't have to worry about it. And no, we have not been paid off by Apple. I, like you know, right now. I was just gonna say. <laughs> I was just gonna say our uh, sponsorship or advertising yes. for uh, this week has come to a close. So. Oh, I wish. So I don't know what, you know, maybe we'll start, let's start off with, uh, we've had, you know, we've done our little rant, and uh, let's bring it down a couple notches, let's start off with a little bit of sad news, and then we'll kind of bring things back up, we'll bring back momentum back up to cheerier things. Uh, I think it should be noted, first off, we are exactly one month removed from our last generic video game podcast recording. Are you sure we are? Well, our last record date was 6... 26 and right now it's 726 okay yes and um i guess uh yeah okay so with that being said uh in case you've accidentally found this and hit the download button accidentally and you've hung in there and you're like how did i get here uh you can check out the main site at radio.morningproject.com you can check us out on twitter at 24bitaje that's with the number two the number four Check out my co-host Molly at Molly Penn, that's M-O-L-L-I-P-E-N on Twitter. Or check out the main feed of Morning Radio on Twitter at Morn Radio, that's M-O-R-N-R-A-D-I-O. So, uh, and I hate, I hate that, I hate having to use that Twitter name, but there's this lady who's had Morning Radio for like ever and she hasn't used it in like three or four years. And I tried even asking her if she would give it to me and got no response. <laughs> yeah, because let's see. She, the last time she used Kim Hughes here. Let's go back to Kim. Uh, last time she tweeted was uh, February 24th, 2009. Wow. She's following one person and has 64 followers. That's why like, I hate like some services will, if you don't use your name in a certain amount of time, they'll like kind of um, delete your account and throw it back in the pool. Right. And, you know, I mean, it's, I think it's, like, tough. Like, I can understand why if you have a n- name that you really want, that you want to have that kind of security in having it. But when you have people like this who haven't used it in six years, you know, she's just hogging that name forever now. So I kind of wish it would get uh, right. refreshed. But I was going to say, too, because um, you mentioned the website. And this is a really, really small thing, but it makes me happy. Uh and it's going to be more prominent on the website soon, but there is an option now if you go to the to the Morning Radio website where you can now search all of our episodes by who the host is or who the guest was. Oh, cool. It's like if you want to see, I mean, 
there's not going to be a lot of many options, but if you want to see everything that Anthony has been a host on for, for our podcast, you can get that. You can get a list of, you know, who our guests have been and find out what episode they were on. So just a little thing, but I went into that over the course of Friday night. So everything is probably tagged now. And I've said this a million times. I know I sound like a broken record, but at some point we will have Terry Wolfinger back on for part two. Yeah. And then at some point... Uh, I'll have to get my butt in gear to see what else uh, we can dig up for some new DLC packs. Yep. Uh, unlike Batman Arkham Knight, it's not in six-month package installments at 40 bucks a pop. So it's uh, we'll do our best to continue them being F-R-E-E. Did you see that uh, Dead or Alive 5 is now going to have a second season pass? The one that for Dead or Alive 5 uh, last round or whatever? Yes, they're going to have a second costume pass. I don't know what... uh, So to answer your question, no. Didn't see it. (laughs) And I'm blown away because there are so many endless amounts of outfit DLC already there. What could this offer that... What could be different about this that would entice anyone to look into a season pass? There's never an end to the scantily clad outfits you can put your girls in. (laughs) Speaking of scantily clad women, and I don't know why I thought of you when I Uh-oh. when I saw this Uh-oh. yesterday. <laughs> I was I was watching. Uh, I was on Apple TV watching uh, YouTube. There's another plug. Every time we say Apple, we get fifty bucks. <laughs> yes. Oh, I wish. <laughs> and I believe it was game trailers, and the video was titled like "What the hell is up with" or whatever with One Chan, but a. Uh, Oh, the, the new one, the latest yes. one on PS4. Yes, yes. And speaking of scantily clad outfits, the start of that was whoa. That is going to be the. Um, I'm finally bringing back my my verses uh, video series, and I think <laughs> that's going to be my first new episode. Do you own that game? I I do. Wow, I was le- I was trying to look at it legitimately from the perspective of should I give this a shot? Like, as in, is the game any good? But I wasn't quite sold on it. By the time it was done with the 15-minute video I watched? Well, it's... it's. I have a soft spot because, like, my, my opinion is when you have a, a buxom Japanese cowgirl in a bikini fighting zombies, like, how can you not love that premise? You know? But, like, they never get the gameplay right. And I think I tweeted the other day that, like, if I had one dream for what Platinum would do next, I want them to do an One Chambara Right. Game. I think they could make it amazing, but I just like I love the I love the concept so much. It's just I wish it was one of those series that was in the hands of a competent developer. You had another idea though recently that I really liked. It was I think on that same episode. So outside of One Chanbara, which you did suggest, the suggestion you had that really hit me, and I was like, wow, you know, you're right. Is if Platinum were to handle the gameplay elements of another lollipop chainsaw? Oh yeah, 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 yep. That would be great. Yeah, because that, that, that's another game. Like, I love the concept. It's just that, like, Suda, man, Suda. I just, me and Suda don't get along in terms of his gameplay. Hey, here comes another quick aside before we get into the uh, somber news. Uh, recently at my local Kinokunias, uh, because there's never enough art books in my life, and this has got to be one of the last ones. i got to stop this. <laughs> I picked up the recently released The Art of Grasshopper Manufacturer. Mm. 
It was very nice. It's about thirty to 40, maybe thirty-five bucks or so. There are a few Kinokuniya stores throughout the nation, primarily all uh, it's all Washington, California, and Oregon. But a uh, very well done, beautiful book, high quality. And there was a trip down memory lane. Everything from uh, Shadows of the Dam to Lollipop Chainsaw to stuff I've completely forgotten, like uh, Frog Minutes. I mean, it's got everything in there. So it's definitely worth a look for video gaming and art aficionados. I mean, it's it's one of those, the, the good and bad parts of Japan is the good is that, like, you have these creators that are really artistic, you know, and have a lot of crazy different ideas for games, but the execution is just not there. Like, uh, another one of his games... Um, Oh God, Ranko Tsugi something something's longest day. Part of the that whole that short piece. Oh uh, yes, thing that came out. Yes, yeah, Rinko or Ranko something like that. I uh, love those characters. Love that world. Like, and even just in the little bit of world building there was, it was really interesting. But it, then it was like this kind of side-scrolling runner that just wasn't great. And <laughs> I wish that you had people like that paired with people who know how to make games like and really know what to do right. because it, too often it feels um i think the japanese side it feels like the artistry is more important than the game itself right which there are games like you could take a game like journey for example that is very artistic and very much about the experience of what you're doing but all the gameplay elements are totally solid in that Whereas in Japan, I, I think the problem just too often is that they're okay if the gameplay isn't great because they think the main point is the art artistry of it. And I can appreciate that artistic side, but games just work so different than film and movies and anime and, right. and things like that that you have to have that gameplay good as well. Or people aren't going to appreciate the artistic side. And, and I love that artsy stuff as much as anyone else. But yeah, it's interesting what you say, the the concept of that. Because with the gaming medium, the most important thing is gameplay. Because that's you're interacting with the yeah. medium firsthand with you know a controller in hand. And if there's a disconnect there, uh, it's it you know it really uh, puts a damper on the experience. Yeah, and I mean like I mean you just think about like games where you jump right. If jump is broken, that can ruin the entire game. For you. <laughs> That's one tiny element of the, enti- the entirety of the game. Right. You know, or if like the sword swinging doesn't feel right, or if the combos are boring or whatever. <laughs> but um, back to the the somber note here to get this out of the way. Uh, this happened a couple weeks ago, but uh, we usually record once a month, so this news isn't that outdated, but it's noteworthy. Uh, and unfortunate, uh, the passing of uh, the CEO of Nintendo of America, Mr. Satoru Iwata, on July 11th. So um, this is a gentleman that was with uh, Nintendo for quite some time. Uh, born in 1959, uh, in the year 2000, he was appointed as director of Nintendo. In 2002, he was appointed as president, uh, as well as a representative director and then um, in June of 2013, he was appointed as CEO of Nintendo of America. 
And uh, my my source on this was this was actually the official Nintendo PDF, uh, which I got online, which they put up on July 13th. But uh, aside from that, um, I'll give uh, I'll, this is from IGN now, not Nintendo. Uh, he was Awata was a rare corporate president that came from a programming and game design background. As a result, he had unique perspective on how video games shape our culture and the role games have in influencing and entertaining young and old around the world. And uh, I've got some quotes here. Uh, I don't think I'll read them all, but there's some interesting quotes here. Um, the one I want to... St- okay, so this one I want to start with. I think this was all over Twitter. This is probably the most popular one. Um and these are quotes from Iwata over the years. He says, On my business card, I'm a corporate president. In my mind, I'm a game developer. But in my heart, I'm a gamer. So uh, I thought that was uh, quite interesting. And then for those who don't yeah. know, his roots go back to HAL Laboratories, I believe, mm-hmm. preceding his time at Nintendo. And he was also either influential or, correct me if I'm wrong, did he come up with the actual character of Kirby? That I don't know. I because uh, I noticed uh, at his uh, gravesite or in the uh, at the ceremony, there are many Kirby plushies, and I know there were a lot of references with Kirby and Iwata. Yeah, I don't know if it's just because of the the work that he had on the games, you know, created the Hal for Kirby. And I mean, I think didn't he also have a part in Lolo? That may be the case, but then I also wanted to bring up didn't he all? <laughs> um, well, I mean, because it's interesting because I think Lola Mother. and Kirby are kind of similar characters. Oh, yeah. About it. Yeah, that is true. And yeah, then he, he did he did stuff on Mother and yeah. a bunch of other games. Um, something that I do agree with, it says, Above all, video games are meant to just be one thing. Fun for everyone. Well, I don't know about the everyone part, but I do agree with it that they need to be fun. <laughs> so, um, let's see... Let's see what the in our business too often people with a fresh idea don't have a chance. I believe if Tetris were presented today, here is what the producer would be told: Go back, give me more levels, give me better graphics, give me cinematics, and you're probably going to need a movie license to sell that idea to the public. Which I mean, it's it's not completely true, but it's it's very very fair comment, you know. Yeah. And then uh, to round this out, I think Miyamoto had a quote here. It's pretty standard fare, but it says, uh, The entire development team at Nintendo will remain committed to our development policy, which Mr. Iwata and we have been constructing together, and to yield the development results which Mr. Iwata would appreciate. So, um, yeah, so very sad news. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I've... I'm not like a super huge Nintendo fan, but I really appreciated them having somebody in the top spot who actually, you know, cares about games. Right. Which is is kind of less and less anymore, it seems. Um, You know, I mean, I know that he's been criticized for some of the decisions that the company has made. And I, like, I hate to say it this way, but it, it might end up being a good thing for them to try some fresh blood in that position and, and see where the company will be taken. But at the same time, like I I said, I really appreciated having somebody, you know, I think most importantly Nintendo, a company who's always about, 
you know, the fun of games and the importance of games and having somebody in that position who not only knew how to make games and really understood that development process, but somebody who legitimately cared about games and wasn't just about, you know, meeting bottom lines and, and stockholder uh, requirements and, and things like that. So I don't know. Like, I don't know if this is going to be kind of, you know, it's, it's in a weird way. It's similar to what happened to Apple when Steve Jobs died. Yeah, the, yeah. The, con- the concern was, who do you replace him with? And will the company be the same? You know, will the company going forward be the same? Because I don't, like, I mean, can you, and I, I know this has been talked about, I don't know if it's official, if he's interim or what, but there's been talk about Miyamoto stepping up into that role. Like, I cannot see him in that position. I don't think that's going to happen. I saw that rumor as well. I think from afar and from like the big names people know and associate with Nintendo, it made sense in that respect. But in terms of like the corporate environment and what goes on behind the scenes, I don't, I, I don't think that's going to happen. The other gentleman I did see, and I don't have the quote in front of me, so this is all going off memory. I think it was a Mr. Takeda who was with the company since 1971. He's currently 66. That was a name I saw thrown around that may be taking that spot. Hmm. But... Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. So I don't, no disrespect to Mr. Takeda, that's certainly someone who seems to have some sort of seniority and been with them a long time. But um, h- how do I word this without, I mean, 66 is 66. You know what yeah. I mean? Now, yeah. here's the deal. I saw a photo of him. He looked pretty good. I, I would not have known he was that old if I hadn't read it. I would have thought maybe 50s. But... You know, take that comment as, you know, however you want to take that. But, yeah, I don't think that's going to be the type of thing of, like, young blood coming and shaking things up. Yeah. And I think it's it's just so it's so tough. Because when you look at a company like Sony or Microsoft, right, and I would say having somebody younger come up and shake things up would be great for them. But, like Nintendo's tough because it really is a company that's just so dedicated to craft and to to history and heritage of gaming and stuff like that. And I like that. I, I think that's a big thing. I, I I've said this a hundred million times. I'm all for that and the roots of gaming. They've just really corner trapped themselves this generation with the device that they've got on the market. Yeah, which which is why you need somebody who can think outside the box in terms of the device but think outside the box in the right way because the, the Wii was not the right way you know and so it so, gave them the hardware results they wanted in terms of sales you know what I mean but no, I'm, was, no, I'm sorry, no no the, the Wii U okay yes sorry, yeah the, the, right, the Wii U right no the Wii the Wii I, I still think was a fantastically interesting idea it's just um, it led them down the path you know, it's I mean, it's kind of the the DS, right? Like I love the DS and mm-hmm. 3DS is interesting, but mm-hmm. at this point, you know, does Nintendo ever go back to a one screen handheld? Like, can they? And if they do, is there any kind of disappointment in that fact? Because they've they've now spent so many years building up the idea of two screened handhelds. Like, can they ever go back? And that's kind of always the problem is if you try to innovate is once they had the Wii, like, it was so hard for them. Like, they couldn't just have, like, a, a GameCube 2 come out after that. Right. But trying to do that got us the Wii U, which just has been a mess. 
with the exception of the original Wii's hardware success, the phenomenon that it was, it's kind of interesting if you look at Nintendo's track record since the N64 days. You know, it's it's in terms of install base, it's not very impressive. No, and, excluding and, their handhelds. And I know that everybody says the Wii won, and because just by numbers, sake, it did win. But when you look at what actually happened, the the Wii just continued the slide of losing third party support. That thing died. I want to say the Wii died in my mind in like oh nine, early ten. Like, mm-hmm. the, I mean, literally, this is no joke. Was it not like one month? A couple games came out, and then like literally overnight. Yeah. They had nothing. That's what it felt like. Yeah. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah. To, not to segue into this one item I want to talk about later, but I'm going to give it a mention real quick. Okay, so the Wii has been dead, arguably, for over, almost a half decade, right? Mm-hmm. On the flip side, it's ironic that two of the most anticipated games I'm looking forward to still in modern-day gaming will technically be available on PlayStation 3. A console so, that's... Uh, so Persona 4, I mean, Persona 5. Persona 5. And... Recently announced. Uh, oh, oh, um, uh, Odin, Odin Sphere? Yeah. Okay. The Odin Sphere HD Leif yeah. Rasir. Coming uh, January in Japan for PlayStation 3 and PlayStation 4, and then hopefully soon thereafter... In the states, well, I mean the, the the Sony consoles have always been really really good, right? About having that life, like like Microsoft feels like the kind of company that wants to just cut and move on, right? You know, um, the Wii just died, so it it was only in Nintendo's you know uh, best interest to, to jump full ship into the Wii U, and I mean it was even that point where. They, it felt like they kind of just forgot the Wii existed anymore and just spent their efforts on the 3DS for a few years until the Wii U was ready. But Sony's consoles have always been pretty good about continuing game releases. I mean, think about... You know, and maybe like the, the, the casual Call of Duty fans won't care, but think about those final years of the PS2 when we got games like... Big games like Persona 4, like new releases, you know? And then we got... Things like all those SNK collections right. and Fire Pro Wrestling and that kind of stuff, you know? So, I mean, like, these next couple years for PS3, to me, are going to be super interesting to see if we had that point again. Because there's that certain point where, you know, Sony takes less of the cut for every game and stuff, and it's, it's easier to make money. So, like, these smaller companies bring out all these crazy releases that didn't get brought over during the, the heyday of the system. And then I think especially to the audience we speak to, you know, they're willing to go the extra step or two. You know, the other big thing where you get some extra life is uh, accessing the Japanese PlayStation Store for certain classics <clears throat> that didn't make their way over here. And we and we do have a really nice selection over here, not to dog the American PSN, but you can still find some select PC Engine, PC Engine, you know, Super CD-ROM. There's some more unique PlayStation 2 classics available to download on your PlayStation 3 if you have a Japanese account. Yep. Yeah, I, I need to pick up... Um, I think, didn't Twinkle Star Sprites hit for PS2 pretty recently? Well, see, now this is interesting because 
something that the Japanese PlayStation Network will do is you'll see them double or triple up on games on different formats that I dare say you would not see here. So, like, um, how do I explain this? So, we'll use the Twinkle Star Sprites. There's two ver. You can get it on the ADK Tamashi collection, which I downloaded, which you get uh, Aggressors of Dark Combat, uh, Ninja uh, Commando, Ninja Combat, some other crap. And then also on there is Twinkle Star Sprites, the original Neo Geo incarnation. But then there's also a PS2 classic of the Twinkle Star Sprites, which is the sequel that came out in the early 2000s, which I care less about. Oh, it's a sequel. Okay. Which has the new layer of coat. But upon completing that, you unlock the Neo Geo original. Oh, okay. So, like, there's an example of, like, how you've got the game twice. And then another weird example is they've also started to re-release a lot of the PlayStation 2 versions of King of Fighters. And some of those technically overlap with some of the Neo Geo classics they released separately years ago. Right, right. So, I mean, there's, there's weird stuff. But uh, I, was just, I was in a weird mood this weekend. And I'd gotten a, uh, uh, a PSN card, a Japanese PSN card. And I wound up downloading um, Gradius 2, the Super CD-ROM version. Like, I, I went through everything. I was looking at weird stuff and stuff I didn't have. I got that for like 8 bucks. And then I downloaded Metal Slug 6, the PlayStation 2 version. And, oh, they just put this up a couple weeks ago. I downloaded today Garo Mark of the Wolves, the PlayStation 2 classic version. Oh. So that's up there for 1,000 yen, so you can, that's about 10 bucks. A place mm. I will plug, I used to get some of my PSN cards, and I still do from a friend in Hawaii. But now, especially right now with the exchange rate, Go to japancodes.com. I believe it's japan-codes.com. I've had an account with them a few years. I'm going to give a random example. I ordered my PSN card from them, uh, 3,000 yen yesterday on a Saturday. I paid 29 US dollars. I ordered on a Saturday afternoon. The email with number was in my, um, in my email within two hours. Wow, that's not bad. I will say if someone does this as well and they're waiting and they're like, hey, I didn't get my code, check your spam. Because it may go to your spam. That, so I knew to check my spam and I checked my spam and it was in there. Yeah, I would say defi- definitely if, if you if you do want to do any kind of searching around the the Japanese PlayStation store, um, buy those cards like now. Because the exchange rate is crazy. Like it's not like it's, I mean, it's not as crazy as it was recently. But it's still like 123 yen to the dollar, which right. is really, really good for us. Yeah. Cause, so yeah, because li- because we actually uh, we went out and bought uh, a handful of just regular yen for our next trips to Japan and stuff, just because right now is a good time to get. Oh, it. I see. That's kind of, that's smart. Yeah. Mm. So. So yeah, I got thirty bucks, thirty dollars for twenty nine, but in a in a weird, unique instance. You know what I mean? Right. So that that was worth it. <clears throat> do they um is there i'm trying to think there was a last blade collection for ps2 right that's ye, i believe you're right but that's not there's a few of them that are not on there yet okay they did add like i said mark of the wolves went up recently and the art of fighting collection the japanese version went up recently so i think there's still hope for 
for that. The one I'm hoping they put up is the Sunsoft one I missed. I hope with Waku Waku 7 and Galaxy ah, Fight. Ah, yes. But I think there's a good shot because, I mean, Jesus, if I got ADK collection on there, I mean, that other stuff I think is coming. And it's weird because I noticed SNK. I don't know if this is through SNK approving it. through. So I don't know who's approving what, but a lot of the SNK stuff has been going up. See, it would be nice because I know they have done some releases here in the West of games that weren't translated and they just brought them over, you know, just to have them. Like, it would be great if we got a few of those SNK collections that we missed. Because like I said, in that last era, we got a bunch of SNK collections, but we didn't right. get everything. Right. It would be really awesome because I think we missed out on some of the best stuff. I said The Last Blade and we didn't we didn't get Mark of the Wolves over here either. Right. That's correct. We did not. So it would be really nice because, like, those things, like, don't need any translation whatsoever. Uh, I would say outside of the Dreamcast yeah. version, the only way I want to say Americans got to play Mark of the Wolves outside of the Neo Geo and Dreamcast port was the Xbox Live Arcade version, I almost want to say. If you think yes. about it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, it was it was nice, because that's actually that's how we did our tournament for Sam Show 2, was the Xbox version. Because Xbox 360, which is, which is one of those few things that makes it really tough for me to re- retire mine, it got uh, Sam Show 2, it got King of Fighters 98... I think I got KOF 2002. That's right. That's how I have that as well. The got ultimate Mark, match. I got Mark of the Wolves. Like I got some really good SNK games that, you know, this is like, I mean, this is one of my rants, but I I wish there was a better, like, system, and I don't know how you, you do this, but there's been, like, so many little releases like those that just now kind of don't exist anymore. You know, because so few people have their systems, or if they do, I mean, like I. W- but to be fair, I was shocked. So the other day, I think I went online to play Sam Show Two, and somebody was actually online for me to match <laughs> against, which shocked me. But I remember when I bought Super Sprint for the PS3. To this day, I've never found a match online in that game, and it just always makes me sad because there's so many great little games that have come out that now just are nearly impossible to find matches in unless you specifically ahead of time set up you know getting together with people no i agree and i think we may have touched base on this but yeah super sprint uh, is no longer even available as well as one of the versions of rampage Mario yeah. world tour but yeah so that makes it double uh double rare i mean and it's odd now i'm going to contradict myself i said there's no doubles on the american store i have the original single singular release of mortal kombat 2 on my ps3 Mm-hmm. And then I have it again in that Mortal Kombat collection download. Yeah, I think there are doubles. It just depends on what you're talking about. Because Metal Slug 3 just recently came out recently. But that's part of the Metal Slug collection, which may or may not actually be up. But Yeah, so we have that solo here. Yeah, I'm, you're right, right. Yeah. I think you can still download the collection probably for PSP. Yeah, I think so. Your favorite system. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, you know, I I really hope. No, I I, I don't know because I hate. I've bought Neo Geo games so many times. I, I know point. it's it's embarrassing. But I was gonna say, you know, the fact that they brought out Metal Slug Three on PS4, like I hope, give that gives me hope that maybe we do get again Sam Show Two and King of Fighters Night Right. And, and yes. Everything. Yeah. Um. Before we go on, because you kind of mentioned it, and this is something that is kind of close to your heart in some ways. Uh, speaking of things that they get pulled, 
did you see that Hulk Hogan got pulled from Bob oh, Jr.'s WWE 2K game? I can't believe you're bringing this topic up. <laughs> um, do you want to open this can of worms? I don't mind. I, I've got no problem. I and mean, I've sure. got—I have nothing. You know, weird. I'm not going to say anything weird. So, the Hulk Hogan thing, as I'm sure many know, um, Hulk Hogan made some very inappropriate private comments approximately seven to eight years ago with uh, radio show host Bubba the Love Sponge's then wife. I dare say they're divorced now. Now, I'm going to throw some... uh, So, here we go. So, this is going to get a little bit out there. This has nothing to do with gaming before we bring it back to Hulk Hogan and gaming. So, I was a big fan or big fan of Howard Stern for many years and I followed him over to Sirius Satellite for many years as well. And in the earlier days of Sirius Satellite, in the mid-2000s, besides Howard Stern, one of the big um, radio hosts they had on that network was Bubba the Love Sponge. And I was not familiar with Bubba. I only became familiar with some of his work through Sirius and his guest appearances on Howard Stern, some of the crossovers they did. Bubba the Love Sponge, a real crazy guy. Uh, But the reason why he has relevance in this story is because him and Hogan were very close friends. So... I would see Hulk Hogan on Bubba's show a lot, and Hogan even went on the Howard Stern show during the Hogan reality show years. Well, I didn't even know what it was called. Was it Hogan Knows Best? Is that right? Yeah, I think it was that, yeah. So that's him and the family were on, and so that's that's a little kind of background there. And So how does this make sense? Why does this wrap around? Because on the private remarks that were released, sneakily released, which were supposed to be in a vault in a courtroom for a pending trial for the sex tape between Hogan and Bubba the Love Sponge's then wife, these inappropriate comments, I dare say, came from that same tape. And with that being said, these remarks were released, and which has caused many consequences for Hulk Hogan. Now, the reality of what happened is, like you said, he got pulled from the WWE 2K game. WWE released him from his deal slash legends contract, all of his merchandise. Like, they, okay, they WWE scrubbed Hulk Hogan from their site so quick. It was as bad, and I'm not saying it wasn't just, like, okay, before I go on, do I feel it was the right thing to do to release Hulk Hogan from WWE? Short answer, yes. Yeah. With that being said, to the extent of what they've done, this yes. is like this is like Chris Benoit territory. Yes, yes. This is it's- like, and what Hogan said was disgusting, it was wrong. The only thing I can say, and this is not meant by any way to stick up for him, but it was a private conversation that shouldn't, like, so that's the thing. It was said on his time and his privacy. What he said, was it disgusting and was it abominable? Absolutely. But he's he's getting, for lack of a better term, he's getting the Chris Benoit treatment. And for those who don't know, Chris Benoit in 2007 murdered his wife and son. Uh, and then killed himself, a, a double murder-suicide. And th- the treatment Hogan is getting right now is just about on par with that, which is like, it's, I'm not going to say it's wrong, but it's it's jarring. It, no, it was it was really crazy just 
how quickly they attempted to scrub him from just all facets of WWE. And, you know, I'm not I'm not saying that whatever he said is okay, but I guess kind of the problem I have with this is this is coming from a company that is known to still have so many issues with race, you know? Oh, okay, have, for clarification, people... we're talking uh, WWE, formerly WWF. Yeah. I almost WWE. thought we were talking about the Inquirer and Gawker. So no, no, cla- WWE. Yeah, so for clarification, yes, we're talking WWE. Because, yeah. you know, pe- for people who know, you have people like, you know, uh, Michael Hayes in the back, which is notorious <laughs> for some of the things he said and done in his life. <laughs> right. Um, <clears throat> you've got other people who have been questionable. You've got a company that has, even to this day, still not understood how to treat wrestlers in, you know that are minorities right. and things like that so it just it kind of makes me laugh a little bit to see that company work so hard to scrub somebody because they said some racist things i can't believe the the speed at which they did it yeah i mean that team must have like they must have set a world record in terms like his merchandise any mention of him I, he wasn't even on the wwe hall of fame alumni page yeah i mean holy lord this was like this is arguably the most recognizable pro wrestler not only in north in the u.s but the world and it's, yeah it's it's crazy but so what happened with the game is that they've <clears throat> now and I, I was a little confused because it sounded almost at first they had pulled him from your copies but i think what it is is and this gets into some of the problems with digital distribution is they took Hogan out from being available as a DLC character for WWE 2K15, the last year's game. Okay. But the problem, as I understand it, and I could be wrong, is that you now maybe can't re-download him. It's almost like a PT-type scenario? Yeah, yes. Which, that really, like, I don't care, you know, about your scrambling for trying to get rid of somebody because you you don't like what they said. You know, you're screwing with my money at this point, you know? Like, I bought that character, and I can understand taking him out and not letting him be downloadable for anybody else past this point. But if I already paid for him and now you take him away, that's BS. I would agree with that statement, not looking at it as Hulk Hogan per se, looking at it as just a piece of code or digital content that you paid for, looking at it in its most raw, you know, bare form. Now you're taking code and numbers and and whatnot away from us, from the digital avenue. And that's, um, that's kind of the worst fear, the worst nightmare that's been speculated over the years, or they can't do this, or they won't do this. You know, they have the ability to do it, but they won't do it. And... I don't want to make a mountain out of a molehill. You know, this this hasn't happened a lot yet. It's happened in arguably justifiable... Well, PT wasn't justifiable, but no. we can maybe make an argument on this. But even at that, it's just showing you like, hey, at any time, they can do it. Yeah. You know? But... Um, and there was one more thing I wanted to say about the Hogan thing, and I think it uh, it escaped me now. But yeah, so that was um, not that it was unbelievable. I mean, I don't know what to say. I mean, that's that was that was unbelievable. 
it's it. I mean, and it's it's like they had to have seen it, right? Like they had to have seen what was said, because you don't jump to that big of a reaction well, without having seen it. Or you're you're talking about WWE. Yeah. Yeah, and the other thing was I think the okay, so let's get this the sex tape portion, I dare say, the clips they released on three years ago, I wanna say that was Gawker. As for this, yeah. I wanna say the Inquirer is the one that or at least had laid a hand in this. I know Hogan is in, and his attorney are suspicious that it could be Gawker, but Gawker came out with a statement and denied that. Simultaneously, I dare say the Inquirer said there are are more comments to come. So, in my opinion, I'm of the impression that Hogan will stop. And I'm not, I don't want to, see, I don't want to make it sound like I'm sticking up for him, but like, I'm under the impression that Hogan will stop at nothing now to bring X, Y, and Z down. And in a way, can't really blame him. What he said was horrendous. But like, in terms of the legality of it or what they did, if he's telling the truth, in terms of what they were supposed to do with the tape or whatever it was in the quarter law, I mean, you really can't blame the guy if he goes above and beyond to, to do whatever's in his power to get all the money he can from them. Well, I mean, Gawker's pretty scummy, like, in the right. first place. So, yeah, like, I'm not wanting to defend Hogan in this, but I also can't feel bad if he, you know, gets the money from them. Right. The other thing, uh, since we're talking a little bit of wrestling, for hardcore wrestling fans, and if you're into Twitter drama and controversies, as I am, uh, legendary wrestler Scott Steiner, one may remember a few years ago, he got into hot water for saying a lot of negative things about Hulk Hogan, Eric Bischoff, which gave me many moments of um, uh, laughs and fun times at my computer screen. He came out of the woodwork the other day, and he had some real big jabs at Hogan for this <laughs> stuff. That, I mean, I mean, look, I from a wrestling perspective in his heyday, I mean, Scott Steiner was friggin' way ahead of his time one of the greatest i would even use the word athletes in the world i mean this guy is a legend but you won't see him get that respect i don't think in wwe but anyway he you know threw a couple more jabs in there because in light of what happened with hogan recently and you know ultimately he said he goes you know do you believe me now that you know i was that hogan's a no good piece of shit so if 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 you're into drama like me you might want to go follow Scott Steiner on Twitter. And I don't know if you saw the remarks of CM Punk to Virgil recently. No, I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) I won't. Okay, I'm going to clean this up. Um, Oh, what was it? It was. uh, Something was said in regards to it wasn't. I don't know if it was an online stream. I don't know what it was. And Virgil tweeted. CM Punk saying, hey, like, come up, watch me, and I'll show you how it's done, bro. And CM Punk tweeted him back, you're a, I dare say, he said, you're a effing C. Hmm. <laughs> so, I don't know. So, anyway, yeah. So, there's, if anyone who's looking for drama, maybe start following some wrestlers out there. So. Just follow Iron Sheik. I hear he's a pretty nice guy. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, before we lose our complete <laughs> listenership. Hey, you know, this is a Japanese-centric angled show at times, so uh, let's throw one more in there. This is a Uh positive. If you get Access TV, 
and you're into the art of professional wrestling and not soap opera drama, three-minute matches, and embarrassing backstage segments, please check out on Friday nights on Axis, uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling for an hour. It's, it is the best hour of wrestling on television in 2015, in my opinion. I had, a, I had a friend who wrestled for Osaka Pro when I lived over there. And I always meant to go watch it, but I never did. Well, they, they actually, they, they, they did a exhibition at our college. They basically just brought the ring and put it up outside in kind of the courtyard and wrestled there. So I did watch that. But I never actually went and watched it proper in the... Really? Yeah. And you knew this person? Yep. Now, while I try to cheat here, going off memory, was that not one of the promotions at the time, uh, one of the more masked-based promotions with yeah, a lot of weird Yeah, I think gimmicks? it was like one of the ones with a little more like the characters versus just kind of the serious wrestler guys. So. Really? Yeah. You don't remember I mean, the I mean, he was kind of like a new guy, so he was like an upstart, so he wasn't anybody big, but... Yeah, I'm looking him up right now. When were you there? You were there at what year? Two. 2002. It looks like they started in 98, yeah, so there were a lot of those type of promotions at the time, but yeah, so you had interesting timing on that. Yeah. Oh, it was found by Super Delphine, who I'm familiar with from the old Super J Cup tapes, and he was good. Wow. Didn't Super Delphine make a bunch of shooters for Super NES back in the day? That so sounds like one of those like old school. Like, do you remember like all those old school like Japanese companies that just don't exist anymore? Yeah, it's... I, I miss them. <laughs> I do this stupid game with friends where I come up with uh, titles of whether it be movies or games, and I ask them. I go, "Hey, you have to tell me if this is American or if it's Japanese based, you know, product." Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but it's always so easy for them to figure out because they joke around and say it's always a dead giveaway with the Japanese product because it'll either have it like almost always has the word super in there or something along those lines so but uh, <laughs> wasn't there the because uh, I, I I didn't I wasn't a Super Nintendo fan so I don't really care but wasn't that game with like the I don't know if it was a jelly bean or like a slime kind of character from Japan but at some point, because of the L and the R thing, that instead of Jelly, it became Jerry. So it was like Super Jerry Boy. <laughs> like, I feel like that was a thing. I, you know, this. It's so funny because um, I bought specifically bought my Super Nintendo, and this this I don't know if we want to transition into this big topic yet. Sure, we can get off the. Uh, this would be a perfect way to transition into yeah. it, but <clears throat> I bought my Super Nintendo for the specific purpose of getting Street Fighter 2. Okay. And then I never bought Street Fighter 2. Wow. Yeah. What was up with that? So what's the story behind well, that? Well, because I, I ended up having like friends who had it and stuff, so I just like, went to their houses and played and everything. And then, because I, I don't think I even got it for... Um, I don't think I got it for Genesis when the Genesis version came out. So I don't know. Like I don't. I don't know. I think I got it later, like the Super Street Fighter Two portion. But for some reason, and this this will be crazy for kids these days. I think I just ended up playing it always in the arcade, so I didn't need it at home. Because you know, opposite of how things work now, if I went to the arcade, 
I had competition. You know, I had people to play with. At home, I didn't have many people to actually play with. Right. So I, I think I just did that, and then I kind of ended up the game, the fighting game I did buy. I bought like SNK fighters because I was I was strangely really really into the Super Nintendo version of Samurai Showdown. I remember renting that. <clears throat> yeah, it was funny because. Like one of the big things for Sam Show was that it did the the scaling, right? Which was for that day like insane, right? And it was so weird because the Genesis version was the scaled in characters. So yeah, characters it had larger bigger. sprites. Yeah, and the Super Nintendo version was the scaled out versions of the characters, so they were all smaller on screen. And in hindsight, at the time, I really enjoyed it. But in hindsight, now, modern day, looking back at it, that, that Super oh, NES yeah. version was very, very poor. But um, but with that being said, you know, you bring up, uh, you know, the arcade scene. It's it's kind of too bad that there's no more arcade scene present day. Although, real quick, if you got a Dave & Buster's by you, uh, Pokken Tournament is going to be going on location yes. test in the States. But... Outside of that, it's very sad because I wish there was something that one could do to rekindle that spirit. Well, you know, it's funny though because. Oh. What do you have? Do you have a? Solution? Oh yeah, no, I don't know. Is, is do you oh. have any? Have you been to anything lately or anything I to have. try? Oh, I have been to arcades lately, but the thing is, <laughs> arcades are now beer cades, right? Where you go and you get alcohol, and they have a bunch of old games on free play. Well, I want something on a grander scale. No, I know, but I think, I think like that's really in America. That's really the only way arcades work anymore. It seems like because I've been to two of those. I when I went back home, we went to one there, and then there's one here um, in LA and over in Pasadena, where I don't remember if it was like ten dollars an hour or twelve or something like that. I don't remember what the actual cost was, but um, we paid for an hour and then we just got to go around and play stuff. Well, I'm trying to get you to take the bait, but you won't take it. Oh, I'll, I'll, okay, I'll try that in a second. But <laughs> no, I was going to say that because I, I tweeted this out that I had <laughs> I had to teach my wife how to play Pac-Man, and that was a concept that just was alien. Say to me. what? When was she, this? Was recently because she didn't know how to play Pac-Man. I don't. No disrespect to your wife, and I don't know her, but I mean, I don't understand how. I, I know. It's like, how do you? But no, this this is the this is the woman who like, um, had never seen Star Wars. You know, had never seen a bunch of these really big. There was something recently where I was talking to her about it, and she had no clue what it was, and it was like just this absolute classic movie. Uh, but yeah, so she's she's playing Pac-Man. So I'm like, there's like, oh, Miss Pac-Man with the speed hack. I'm like, awesome, let's play. And so we play two players, and I'm playing first, and then I finally die. And then she gets up, and then she just starts eating everything, the big pills, the power pellets, everything, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you doing? And she's like, isn't this what you're supposed to do? And I'm like, wait, do you not know how to play Pac-Man? So I had to teach her that, and I had to teach her pinball. Oh, yeah? And she, she ended up really, really liking pinball. But <laughs> Okay, so here, here comes a stereotype. Okay. Okay, so she's she's unfamiliar with those classic titles. So pinball, Pac-Man, those are two biggies. Yes. But in her life, has she at the very least played Super Mario Brothers? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She liked Mario. How about that? Yeah. And she actually, crazy enough, when she was younger, had an MSX. Wow. So she's played some like crazy MSX games that I didn't even know about. 
I'm going to push the envelope here. Did she ever play uh, Metal Gear? No, I don't think she did. <laughs> I'm not sure. That would be crazy. I don't think she, yeah. Wow. So, so, so what were you trying to bait me in? I, well, I don't know. I, I, you know, arcades, I'm older now. I need something bigger. Arcades won't do it. Beercades don't excite me enough. I want something that's known the world over. I, I need to, to my ego. Oh. I need I something see. better for my ego. To make up so for all these years of arcades being dead. You need some sort of evolution for your <laughs> ego is what you're saying. <laughs> Evo for your ego. Yes. Yes. Evo 2015. The largest fighting game tournament in the world. So uh, I was unable to make it because uh, I live ever, in a bubble. Have you ever gone? No. Very close friend of mine have, has gone for over 15 years. I've talked about him in the past, Ray Blade X. He was there again this year. Uh, I want to hear by, you. Wait, 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 by the way, I, I got to just say. So Anthony texts me, and he's like, my friend's going to be at Evo. You should meet him. And I'm like, okay, so what booth is he going to be at? And he's like, no, no, no booth. Just going to walk around. I don't think Anthony appreciates how many people are actually at Evo. <laughs> Because he's just like, just find my friend. And I'm like, okay, like, how do I do that? And he sends me this picture, just some picture of a guy, like, find this guy. Not not remembering the fact that I am the worst at faces in the entire world. But yeah, he's just like, just, there's gonna be like thousands and thousands of people there. Just find this one random guy while you're there. And it's like some Asian dude, which yeah, there aren't any Asian dudes at Evo. Well, well, would you say there were more than 3,000 people there? That's about what that ballroom can handle, I think, right? Three to five times. Yeah, but the thing is, like, at the, at the end, when because not everybody, which I didn't know this, not everybody's passes gets them in the ballroom. So there's well, actually a second overflow room where if you don't have a pass that can get in the ballroom, then you can go sit in there and watch it. Oh, really? Now, has that pass come down to registering early? I don't know, because I had a media badge, and then my media badge let me in. So I don't know if it's like you had to pay for all three days and something else or whatever. Um, or if you're a certain age. I, I don't know. Hmm. But whatever it was, like if you had orange an orange badge, you could get into the ballroom. Wow. And the ballroom was, I mean, I was afraid it was going to be completely packed, and it wasn't. But it was like, I mean, like 95% full for like the final day. Hmm. And then there was the overflow room, which was not full. But um, yeah, I don't know. Like, It's a good question. Like how many people were actually there? Well, I uh, legitimately I'm considering going uh, next year. Also, not to jump around on you like this and the fans like this. So I apologize. Uh, I had a private conversation with you recently in regards to packs and i legitimately wanted to try and get in this year but i talked to some other people i know to try and pull some strings and i, I don't know what the hell's going on like yeah, it's, PAX it's, it's is, impossible for everybody yeah. now packs is so crazy to get into like it's it's and you know what packs is kind of like the amiibo thing like you have to be online at the right time it's and insane looking at, looking at the right thing and then see they they announced at that point oh passes are up and then they're just like gone right away that's such bull I had a nice time. I was there in September in 2012. So it's been three years already, which is unbelievable. But uh, 
At the very least, I'd, I'd if I can't do PAX. Well, let me ask you this: Are you going to do Destination PlayStation in December? I don't. I don't know because we we didn't do it last year, partially because we really didn't know. Oh no, I know we did. We did. We had we sent one person out there, but that was because we really didn't know what it was going to be. Right. Um, but I think like this year, it it might be a fun thing to go to. Maybe I'll try for that because I might have better luck getting in there. If you do, then I'll make a more of an effort. Yeah, just good, 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 good TGS. Just you know, <laughs> do, do it the right way. But not to to get too off uh, too far off the road. So, Evo twenty fifteen. Evo. Um, let's see. What was that? That was the. Was it the thirteenth, the fifteenth to the seventeenth? I was going to say it, it was. I have a printout here from uh, showyukin dot com, so you would think it? it was seventeenth, eighteenth, and nineteenth. Okay, seventeenth to the to the nineteenth. So, yeah. you know, it it never f- fails to um, to live up to the hype or exceed it. You know, with all the crazy things over the years, especially. In the recent five to eight years, because now more of the world can watch it due to online streaming, improved feeds, uh, Twitch.tv handling the bulk of it this year. In the last couple of years, I do enjoy watching it on Twitch. Uh, Evo 2015, a lot of great moments again. In terms of myself, and then I'll, I'll give you the podium, so to speak. Uh, I watched the first night, last couple hours of uh, Street Fighter, Ultra Street Fighter 4. For the people trying to place top eight, saw a couple hours of that. Phenomenal uh, on the first night. Uh, second day, I watched a little bit here and there. Second day, I watched more Guilty Gear, and on the last day, I watched a bit of your Samurai Showdown tournament. Oh, I watched. Um, actually, I watched a good chunk of Mortal Kombat X more out of curiosity. I saw Tekken Seven, but not the main feed. I saw it after it was over, but then they did some things. Yeah, uh, casuals. I saw mm-hmm. that, and then Smash Brothers was my break time. I did not watch any of Smash, <laughs> and then I watched a little bit of MVC, and then I watched most of the top eight, and then I had a step away, which sucked for a while, and then I came in. I won't spoil it now. I tuned back in. You ready for this? Let last round oh. of the last match. Of the finals. Yes. So I have some other thoughts and feelings on it. but Oh, and then we have to make note, the clip that made ESPN Sports Center with (laughs) with Washige, I believe, playing the Guilty Gear God and stepping away thinking he had completed the match, correct? Yes. And the round was still going. That that is an evil moment forever. And the the funniest part is... is, um, I actually did that during my Sam show tournament. Really? Without realizing it, but the opposite <laughs> way because I thought I had lost. So yeah, I got I got started walking away. And everybody's like, "No, no, you're still playing." But no, yeah, that's like it's so it's it's like funny but heartbreaking and just watching that, it's cuz yeah, like you get in the heat of the moment and you know what somebody was was one theory somebody had was the fact that you know Japanese players aren't used to crowds being that loud and boisterous and everything, oh. and so maybe just because the crowd was cheering for him at that point, he thought that he had won the entire right. match, right? And that's why he got up. And yeah, it's just that's it's like I missed. I wish I'd seen that, but I, I did miss that. 
Um, but yeah, that's like you're going back to watch it, and then yeah, and then seeing like Sports Center replay that is so crazy. And we can't talk about that sequences segment without giving a shout out to Hell Pockets, who is on the announce team. He, that guy does a great job. I love his announcing, and he's done King of Fighters in the past. He did a. Uh, the bulk of Guilty Gear XR this year. That guy's a great guy. Uh, awesome on the on the uh, mic. So, yeah. Uh, yeah so, I, g- I got to stick that in there. But uh, enough of me blabbing who watched from a distance. Uh, what was your take on it? Was this your first Evo this year? This was. This is my first Evo ever. Um, you know, I've been watching it for a number of years now, like, from home and everything. Because it is, like Anthony was saying, like, just so easy to, to watch it and stuff. Um, but I was going to ask you, so... And I, I'm assuming the answer is yes. If you say no, I'll be I'll be shocked. But have you ever been to see live wrestling? Like, I mean, not just like a house show or anything, but like a, a Raw or a pay per view. Yes, or any kind of big yes, show? No, yes. So, like in in one way, in some ways, I guess maybe going to Evo is kind of like that, and it is fun and it is exciting. But if if your goal is just to kind of sit down and watch what's going on, it's actually harder to do that being there. Mm. And, you know, because it's like there's so much going on. There's so many distractions for you. There's, you know, the crowds and the other games and stuff. And then you don't get the commentary that people get on the Twitch streams. Oh, uh, yeah. It's a much different experience. Yeah. So, like... In in a weird way, I almost kind of prefer watching it from home, because the 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 point I got to, and you know, I'll talk about like some of the other things I did while I was there. But kind of, you know, it was the last day, it was the last matches. I had gotten to bed very late night before. I had gotten up way too early from my you know from my from my tastes. <laughs> I was tired. I was hungry. It was kind of hot and it was crowded and there was just so many people in there. Right. And then, like, just the way Gamer B was playing, like, I know he was playing really smart, but because of his style in those last, those few matches, like, the matches were really slow. And I was just, at the end, I was just like, God, I just want this to be over, you know? I just, like, I was kind of just done with everything and just wanted it to be done. Um, and then, of course, the whole thing with Momochi's controller. So I have to ask, Can you? I need clarification on this. So, so what was the deal there? So they sat that round out. The controller disconnected, which I think it was a Razer brand stick he was using. Yes. And I was trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together. So I'm assuming Gamer B had momentum. And who had that... Ra- Okay, so so Gamer B, no, no, Momochi. Were they one round a piece already? Or at what? that point, I would say Momochi kind of had momentum because Momochi won the first round of that set. Okay, and then as like right after the second round started, that's when Momochi's controller broke. Okay, I see. So he did technically take Gamer B two in a row in a way. So then. Like, the EVO rules state, you know, if you ever watch EVO and see this happen. Right. If you pause the game. Right. You basically have given up that round. Right. 
because you're throwing off the kind of the the pacing and and the you know right it's unacceptable getting in the zone yeah I think the confusion came in as to like do you have to forfeit that round or the entire match that was kind of the oh. the confusion that was going around I'd always known it to be just the round. Yeah, that's what I thought. And it, it seemed to be the Gamer B didn't want the entire match. You know, he wanted the round. But he couldn't not take it because that's the rules of Evo. And then, because from my understanding, because she was there, that Momochi's dating Chaco Blanca. Because she's the one who came over and I think she brought him her stick. So what was the conspiracy theory here? Well, no, just because he, he he needed a new controller. Oh, was she using the Mad Cat? Okay, was that the one that uh, had a fault? No, because oh, he that was, was the using, Mad Cat's one that came he in. He was he was using his razor, right? And then the one that he ended up using, I think I said I don't know if it's Chaco Blanc because there was like a backup that Momochi had or what, <clears> but she's the one who brought it over to him. Okay. And for people who don't know, Chaka Blanc is a, a Japanese female player who's who's pretty. She's like one of the more well known Japanese female players out there. Um. So yeah, she brought him because they announced the fact that they were going to give Mochi time to figure out his controller situation. Because mm. at first it seemed like he had just paused, but then like things were kind of going weird on stage, and so they it was so then we realized the fact that something was actually screwed up with his controller. Wow! And so he needed. I mean, that's. I mean, you want to talk about timing to have your joystick die in the very last match of an Evo tournament, you know. Right, it's like something out of a movie. It's unbelievable. Yeah. But then, I mean, like I said, he had to give that, he had to forfeit that round of Gamer B, and then in the next round, though, like, he, he won the next round pretty handedly. I have a random question uh, for you. Let's back this up a little bit. Let's go before that, before we got to the final eight. And I've talked to some other top players. When I say top players, like, I'm not talking top, top, but we're talking seasoned veterans and people that go to this every year. And I have their professional take on this, and I have my own take, but their opinion aside, what's your, what's your opinion on Daigo? I can't figure him out because he's certainly still one of the best players in the world. But I mean, to be able to consistently place in there either close to the top eight or top eight or top 16 every year, and he's won two, if not three, Evos, you know, he, he's got a laundry list of accolades. But when you watch him, I feel like, like I don't want to say he's playing around, like, but don't you feel like he's a little not like it looks like he can just tear through his opponent and he'll do it, and then he just like dials it down, or am I crazy? I I mean I do feel like there is some level of because just, he's done so much at this point that I don't think he's taking it as seriously as he used to. Because here's the other weird thing, and I don't have all the, the list of names in front of me. Like, he's done this the last couple of years, right? Like, he'll get top eight, or which is still incredible. And then, like, when it's revenge time, like, when they do their streams, I don't know if you ever watch them, like, first to ten, he'll do, like, revenge matches against the people that either knocked him out or, you know, were real, you know, gave him a run for his money. You know, then they do a first to ten. And then he usually winds up destroying them. You know, you know what I mean, like yeah, and but I mean, like I think it's there. There is kind of this weird element to fighting games where 
you just sometimes really it's your time and you just have this like great streak and I think like a lot of kind of sports it can be just what your mentality is and so if you get a rough start you can just it can just kind of sink you the entire way through but if you're like becoming the underdog and winning then it helps boost up your confidence like because one of the interesting parts and what people were saying was um you know last year's winner was Luffy the guy who had just used a regular old old oh, yes old yes with rose controller and played rose and i think he just got like destroyed this year yeah like he put what he probably didn't even advance anywhere or whatever yeah so i'm looking at the 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 finalists yeah i don't even see yeah, him I, yeah he's definitely not in there i don't see him in the 15 i don't see him in the top 20 25 i don't know i'm not sure what place he got but i mean that was last year's like top winner right there's a few names over the years big names who i haven't uh another one i remember who used to put on a quote show Years ago and did okay it was I think Juice Box. Mm-hmm. I don't even see him and, uh, but yeah, like um, who was the other one? Was it uh, Latif? Oh, he was. Well, he st- he still came in top. He was in like top sixteen, top twenty. But yeah, I know you know what I mean. Like you're right. Like people who are in the spotlight are up in that top bracket, and then some years they're just you don't even see him. Yeah. So I, I don't know, it's just like some people are really hot and cold as to their, their skill. Or if it's just like, you know, if you don't have time to train as much as other people, you kind of get rusty. You know, I'm not sure like what it is. What about that one that was a pro virtual fighter player and then switched? Oh, was that Fudo? Oh. Okay, he came in. Hmm. He's like top 25. He's still up there. Yeah, he used Fei Long again. But, uh Yeah. Hmm, interesting but uh, yeah i had to throw that daigo note out there because i thought that was i don't know but this year it was unique with him as well because he was smiling he yeah. was showing the back of his shirt like plugging the taito station yeah i mean I-, I thought it was funny but i was like jesus yeah you know but you know i mean like i guess like kind of what i came away with was that's just a lot of fighting games in in a couple days time Mm-hmm. And even like, you know, I got there late on Friday, so I missed kind of the first day's stuff. But I think I didn't appreciate how much, like, when I'm watching it at home, I can just do other things. Oh, sure. You get spoiled because you can yeah. take a break, get something to eat for a half yeah. hour. Yeah, and it doesn't know, like, seem, I, yeah. I just have it on TV and it's just playing. I can use a computer or I yeah. can play my 3DS or use my iPhone <laughs> or yeah. make dinner or whatever. But like, when you're there, yeah, it's you're, just like this non-stop fighting game thing. Right. And that's really cool. But I did reach, like I said, the last day, I reached, reached that point where I'm just kind of like, you know, I've had enough of this. It's, it's overload. You've, you're like, it's, yeah. uh, you've had your take, your capacity, your, your max, max capacity. Because I mean, it's like you think about, you think about when you go watch wrestling, right? You know, right. wrestling is what? Two, three, maybe four hours. You know, oh, for, a live event. Yeah, yeah. For for Evo's last day, you know, it started. I think at what nine a.m. was when Guilty Gear started, and Street Fighter didn't get over until eleven p.m. And they started it earlier this year. Yeah, so that's that's fourteen hours of straight fighting games. <laughs> you know, and I don't think any not like many people actually got there the entire time, but even right. just sitting there for like a decent amount of time. That was just a lot. Right. 
so it was fun and there were other things to do but i i kind of you know i kind of didn't know what to expect and there 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 was more things to do in some ways like there were different booths like atlas had a booth where they they had the catherine tournament which i went and watched catherine yeah. What was the, this like the, for speed for speed runs through the puzzles or what? No, they had the the versus puzzle mode. Oh, really? Have you never seen that? It's like crazy I f- awesome. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. So they had another tournament for that this year. Um, Axis had a booth. Mad Cats had a booth. They had a booth for like modding joysticks. They had some booths for artists and for like little goodies and stuff. So there's a lot of was there a lot of cool swag to buy or like a lot there, of there was I don't know if like a lot is the right word there was some, and then there was a little section with like indie gaming and stuff and then like Capcom had setups for Street Fighter Five and stuff and so there were like other things to do in that regard but I guess going in I kind of thought there would be more um, rooms where you could just go and sit down with people and play games. Because, like, you know, I know, like, PAX is really good about having the kind of bring-your-own-console I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, PAX is unique in the sense of there's, like, the the floor when you walk in, and then there's an upstairs, but then they also have, like, a separate floor or area, which is all, like, for gaming among each other. Yeah. And there was a bring-your-own-console room here, but it was pretty small. And so, kind of the last day was the best day in terms of getting to do that kind of stuff because that's when like all the little stations where they had all the prelims going on, those were opened up. So then that you could have like, that was the day that people were actually playing virtual fighter, you know, or, or some other games. But like, I was kind of hoping like, you know, Oh, somebody be sitting there playing King of fighters, you know, right. Or Mark of the wolves or all these other kind of crazy fighting games. And it was, Oh, it was a lot of smash. Really? It's a lot of smash. I just did <clears throat> not care about and then some Street Fighter Four and stuff like that, but there so there wasn't as much kind of just chance to sit down and meet new people and, and play fighting games. That I was hoping. Did you see anyone uh, playing Third Strike? Yes, there was a Third Strike. Yeah, up and running. Hmm. Um, but so on the third day, well, I'm sorry, on the second day, I was walking around and I walked over by the Mad Cat's booth and I saw a sign that said samurai showdown two tournament (laughs) and i'm like oh my god like if there's anything i could maybe try like this would be it and i haven't played sam show two in in years i don't think i think i know i'm sorry i actually did play it a few times earlier this year with a friend because when i went back home i dug my neo geo out we played a little bit but other than that i haven't played in years and years so i went and signed up Went back the next day, and it was going on during the the finals. So I missed, um, I missed the entirety of Smash, and then most of Marvel vs. Capcom. Yeah, usually I'm glued to MVC, especially the finals, but I, I didn't catch as much of it this year. Yeah, this year for some reason I just wasn't like as interested yeah. as I usually am. Uh, so there ended up being like 22 people in the tournament signed up. But a handful of them didn't show. So we go and we sit down and like they're starting to do this tournament thing. And other than me, there's like two other female players there. And all three of us kind of go out really quickly in the first round. So we all get bummed on the losers. Like losers bracket. Yeah. 
And then the the one is not good at all. She had never played Sam Show 2 ever. Oh, Jesus. The other one, I just like she was there and then she was gone because she lost that fast. And I'm like, I'm probably like, I'm like, you know, I, I lost my first match. I'm not going to probably do very well. This sucks. I'd like to at least stick around long enough to do something, you know. Right. So my first my first match in Losers comes and I just destroy the guy. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, this is kind of cool. And who you're playing as? Uh, Charlotte. Okay. And then I want to say I won my next one too. Because I think it's my third one where I went out. So I, th- yeah, I, I think, think you I- lost. Uh, excuse lost. I think you won at least a couple times. Yes, yes, yes. Two, yeah. I, I won two matches. And I won them like two zero. So I was. I mean, I was doing like really good. And I'm like, oh my god, I'm actually like, I'm not expecting. Listen, I haven't played this in years. Uh, like seriously, and I'm like, I'm not expecting myself to do this well, but I'm, I am. And then get to my third match in losers round, and it was really, really close. And like the 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 match, I mean, the round where I went out, we were both like almost dead, and it just I was trying to do Charlotte's fireball, <laughs> and just I wasn't used to those sticks, and so I just right. I couldn't get it to come out, so I jumped backwards. And while doing backwards, he was playing Koshiro, and he threw his fireball, and I basically like landed right on it and went out. But mm. you know, like I mean, it's it's it was kind of cool because you know there's been a lot of kind of like things happening in the fighting game community, like not always like the best of things. It's kind of been like you know complaints and accusations kind of leveled against some portions of the fighting game community and I'm not necessarily saying those don't exist but I think kind of one of the neat things about specifically about this portion of the community I mean it does work in some other ways in other genres but I think in fighting games like if you can bring your game and if you have skill on any like any kind of real level and you can at least show that I think you get respect you know, I, I think no matter who you are or what your background is or anything, is if you can sit down and you can actually do stuff and you can actually com- compete at all, I think people will have a respect for you. In terms of like a level of camaraderie and respect kind of? Like- yeah, I mean, just kind of like, you know, it doesn't, doesn't matter if you're, you know, a female player or a minority player or if you're in a wheelchair or, or whatever your situation, you know, if you're young, whatever. I think it's just they care about whether or not you can play this game. And I I think there are definitely certain people that when you walk up, they're going to expect you to not be able to play. And I think I kind of gotten, I got written off pretty quickly by the, a lot of the guys there. Um, but they then saw I was actually doing it. And it's funny because if you, if you do, because you can actually watch the replay of, of they, they didn't realize they weren't streaming at first. So kind of the first sets to matches like aren't on the on the replay but if you watch like my matches as they go on like the announcers are getting more and more excited about me coming up to play you know oh, actually, yeah because now they kind of knew a little bit more what to expect and yeah because they're first like right. oh this is just some chick playing Charlotte and she's gonna go out pretty quickly you know right. but uh as i was doing better and actually beating guys and actually winning two nothing they're like, wow, she actually knows what she's doing, and I and I got you know some respect from these people, and 
you know, when I was done, they were they were like, wow, you did really good. And, and, and you know, it was awesome to have you in the tournament and stuff. So that, it, that made me, like, actually feel good that, you know, I didn't get as far as I'd hoped. And I wish I would have just won that one last match and maybe got out my next one. But, like, I really felt like... Because I said, when I went, first went there, I felt like nobody was taking me seriously. And then when I went out... I feel like okay they actually know I know what I'm doing and I can feel that difference in in their you know kind of uh not reactions but their just the vi- way of, maybe their vibe yeah the, the vibe the vibe they were kind of giving to me so it's so like I said I think I said I, I think I think even with all the negativity that does exist in certain portions of the fighting game community I think it's one of those places where just if you can show you know what you're doing and if you can bring your skill that they'll respect you no matter who you are well that's a nice that's a nice experience a nice yeah. memory to take so, away so it, was, it was really cool and like i said i i had fun playing sam show too i i just had one more fun playing that than watching like smash or whatever you know i will say this in terms of that type of scene or element you know i am a bit of a hermit and a homebody and for the most part, I do like playing my games kind of solo and single player. But I always had more of a knack to play competitively when it came to fighting games. And I think it was because of that one-on-one nature. Also, with that being said, as, as much of a uh, bah humbug as I can be, you know, that, that type of experience you had in terms of the actual being there, actually being there in person, interacting with others... That is a different type of experience, uh, a nice one. And you can, you know, new friendships and bonds can be created from that. You know, a couple of my best yeah. friends in life to this day were either from, you know, gaming in a sense of competitive play or being at uh, in an atmosphere, an environment like that, you know. So, um, yeah, no, it's funny because, like, I met up um, one of the friends I had, or. I mean, like, we weren't friend friends. We were kind of acquaintance friends. But from one of the guys from back home, he actually lives in Vegas now. And we met up. And the reason we met up was because he was part of that group of fighting game fans that was going to the arcades. And it was part of that scene. And, you know, I met him through meeting other people in that group. And so, yeah, it was like if, if you met those people, like you could meet, like, a lot of people and have a lot of new friends just because of playing like fighting games, for example. So I, I think that there is a lot of possibility there to bring people together, especially like you're saying, when it's games where you're either having to play, you know, co-op or competitive, one of the two. Right. Yeah, I do miss that sometimes. I the You know, the, the feeling I also miss, this wasn't quite that, what you explained, but, you know, I always miss that feeling of seeing a new arcade game or new experience and, you know. You know, you know what's funny? I remember... I remember, there's a few things I remember about Street Fighter. I remember when we got in Super Street Fighter 2. And that was the game that it introduced Cammy and it also introduced T-Hawk. Right, and yeah, Fei Long. And then and Fei Long DJ. and then DJ, yeah. I remember the first time, because T-Hawk had that grab where he would grab your head <laughs> and jump in the air and spin right. you around. Right. I still remember to this day, like the reaction of the crowd when somebody did that for the first time, and everybody just went nuts because they had never seen a move like that. Now you're talking back at the office at uh, 
No, no, no. I mean, at the, at the arcade. Oh. Like, back back in the arcade when, when they got in. Super oh, Nintendo I see what you're saying. Okay, yes. When the cabinet was new and you yeah. were there. Okay, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah, and then I remember when the King of Fighters 94 came in because it was like, somebody's like, there's this game where, like, characters from all of SNK's games are fighting each other. And I was like, what? That can't be real. You know, and I went down and looked, and it was <laughs> King of Fire 94, and it was insane. And then I remember that I had somehow found the code for Dan in Street Fighter Alpha, and nobody else locally yet knew the code. So I went to the arcade and put in the code for Dan, and everybody's like, oh my god, like, how did you find him? Like, what, is, what you know? And like, I felt so awesome because nobody right. else knew that. Right. Um, so yeah, like, I, I have some of these memories of going to the arcade, because it really, it really was, you know, I mean, god, kids are so spoiled these days, and, and we are too, just because everything that's going to come out we know about, and we've seen age 80 trailers for it, and we've seen <laughs> screenshots and pre-order bonuses and all this kind of stuff. You know, like, back in that day, it's like, you could go to the arcade and a new game would be there and you never knew it was going to exist until you saw it for the first time. Right. And it was so exciting to go to the arcade and have just brand new game, this new experience that you didn't know was coming, just suddenly sitting there. Well, it's an ex- well, it's an experience that's virtually gone. I mean, it's it still exists, but in, you know, much, um, it's yeah, much like, tougher I, I think, to Yeah, I think it's just, it's so hard that... You, if you pay attention to anything in gaming, like you just get inundated with all these announcements and reveals and teases right. and stuff like that. So it's, I think it's hard these days to kind of not know about stuff. I mean, outside of like the indie market. Right. And it's becoming, it's in my opinion, it's becoming overwhelming in terms of, I don't know how you feel, but like I pride myself on still staying abreast with the, you know, the industry obviously taking part in a, uh, a podcast you know obviously you have to to a certain extent right and be, having been in games for you know around them and love them for about 30 years now but i don't know there are some days that i'm just like god like i can't even keep track well it's not even so uh, let me clarify it's not even so much keeping track and i think i've made this statement before and you tell me if you think this is out of line especially being on a network that's more japan centric i feel like sometimes i'm doing a disservice but it's like I'm all for the Japanese-made game, like the the old-school stuff, the 80s stuff, the 90s stuff, hearkening back to those days, whether it be gameplay-wise, certain visions, art direction. And, uh, you know, they do have some great concepts every now and then, not as much as they used to due to the, you know, just the state of the industry. But, you know, there is a lot of Japan-based news, like when I hit up sites like Silicon Era, uh, you know, I'll hit Neo Gaff every now and then, Kotaku for whatever that's worth. But you know, sometimes I don't feel it's worth taking the notes on or writing writing certain things down. And I know this can come across as biased because I either think a chunk of those games are just like either just not worth it or it's subpar. Like, is that a, is that the wrong mindset for me? I should actually ask the fans, like. Do you want to hear me talk more about stuff like your Neptunias or your obscure, you know, Moe anime-inspired JRPG that may not be, you know, a, a Final Fantasy killer? But, like, 
you know, am I doing a disservice by not mentioning some of that stuff and sticking to the personas of the world, which are, you know, a quality? Like, how do you feel? Like, do you ever get in that mood where there's like, hey, there's a lot of Japanese news that we can discuss, but it's like, this isn't, you know, we're not talking 1991 Sonic or Mario World or Thunder Force or Ranger X. That's that's why I do Nitch's podcast ever. <laughs> That's where those games get talked about. Um, no, I mean, it is it is a weird situation at this point because, I mean, I don't, I don't know if this is fair because I'm not saying, you know, maybe this isn't a true statement, but I feel like now more than ever, Japanese games are made for Japanese players. When you could kind of think that in previous generations, but I think even then, like, a lot of games were more universal. You know, if a Capcom released like a Dino Crisis or Resident Evil, like in the day, old days, you know, right? Those were games made for everybody. You know, they they had a Japanese aesthetic to the design. Yeah, but they now, were still made for everybody. You know, like 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 Capcom. Look at look at their NES. Out, you know, you had like Gunsmoke, Section Z. Yeah, uh, I loved all those games. You know, uh, Strider, Bionic Commander. Like those were all games where you never like, man, this is like a Japanese like. You know, Bionic Commander wasn't about, you know, this this young Japanese lad trying to save his harem of, of girlfriends, you know, <laughs> uh, to figure out which one is his waifu or whatever. You know, like, it wasn't like the Super Moe stuff that just, everything just seemed so kind of super otaku directed or focused kind of stuff now. And that's not that's not true, but... I think it could be easy for someone like you to kind of get in that mindset because there are so many examples of that kind of stuff. And so I do think that too many Japanese developers, because they don't know how to compete and they don't know what to do for the worldwide audience, that they've just kind of... um, I can't think of the word I'm thinking of, but like kind of just kind of closed in and decided to only focus on their home territory versus trying to learn and understand those things they don't know and understand at this mm. point. So it's tough. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, I, I don't, I, I think we do a pretty good mix on here. Like, I don't know. Yeah. And I'm not saying I just, I want it to be all that or, you know, to do that again. Like, I, but you know what I mean? Like I look at it and like, you know, I have the opportunity, I guess this, let me clarify. I feel like it's I have this great opportunity, one that few people get to be connected with certain individuals like you and other people across the da- the daisy chain um, to be on radio dot morning project and I'm not trying to blow this out to be something more than what it is, but like there's a lot of fans that are passionate like us and they kind of look up to the podcast and the way or they enjoy what they hear they give feedback and like I have it's ironic because. Like I have that opportunity, I'm on that platform, and I love Japanese gaming. But like, now that I'm on that platform and I have that opportunity, it's like what Japan is offering right now is just. I mean, I can play the classics all day, and I, you know, maybe it's because I'm turning into an old buzzard. But you know, we off the air before we got on the air uh, earlier this evening. I was making a joke with Molly. You know, saying I have all these beautiful, all these great AAA titles. I'm backlogged. 
And what do I do yesterday? What do I play? 3D Streets of Rage 2 on 3DS. <laughs> you know? Uh, you know, today I was playing Mark of the Wolves, uh, Gradius 2, you know. Um, I've got Batman sitting there, which obviously is a Western title. I'm a few hours into Batman, and I need to get back into that. But, yeah, I, you know, I go back to a lot of the 16 and 32-bit classics from time to time. But I don't know. It's uh, And by the way, going back to the anime and the Moe stuff, we've discussed Moe early on in GVGP in the early weeks. But with all due respect, like, and I love anime. I subscribe to Crunchyroll. But what's up with that Moe stuff? And luckily, (laughs) there's a lot of stuff on Crunchyroll that is not that. There's a lot of great stuff on there. But like, just like, what is up with that? And I'm not like dogging people or pointing the finger like, oh my God, how can you be into that? I mean, that would be so wrong of me. But like, I hey, I can take just about anything. Like, I, I'm open to just about anything. But like, there's so much of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think just for me, I got to a point where I just, over the years, seen so much anime that I just like, I'm starting to see just the exact same characters over and over again. Damn. You know, like with just different different hairstyles or hair colors or whatever. <laughs> Um, and I mean, and you know, this is some nostalgia, absolutely not saying it's not, but like I go back to like the 1980s of anime, right? And just look at stuff I loved back then, like the stuff that got me into anime. I'm just like, that stuff was just so much better than what's out there today, you know? And I, I think about like, what would have been like a moe kind of harem anime back in the day, right? Well, I think Lum was a good example of that. Urusayatsura. But that was like on a different level. Like it, it was it was interesting. It was funny. It had, you know, good writing. It had interesting characters. And that's like, that's what I'm saying that with even out, without even being like a big fan of the series. But, you know, it wasn't just this complete schlock <laughs> that is, is made for guys who, you know, have given up on real world girls and so they need these, like this fantasy fulfillment anime to to fill the holes in their hearts. Like I don't know. I, I think I think the thing that bugs me about all this, and I know I've said it before, but it's just the fact that like now games that didn't used to have that style kind of do. Like you look at like what happened to like Shining Force, for example. Yeah, like that old school art direction, like has now mutated into that more modernized. Yeah. Yeah, that sometimes it sometimes it works, or sometimes some stuff looks okay, and then I'm totally with you on that. It's like what happened. Yeah, like that that series was never meant to have like cutesy characters in it, and yep. it's it's sad because it used to be able to exist as just this kind of. It was just a game, right? It was just a game that anybody could buy, but. Like I was saying, now it feels like games have to specialize more and be only for certain niches of of consumers in order to even get you know acknowledged and and uh, noticed. And it's just a case of there's just too much out there now, or I don't let, know. Let me ask you this, because uh, you know I can't do an episode of GBGP without being the corporate businessman uh, to just totally put a dark cloud over the whole show. So, okay, 
so with all of this moe inspired art or the cutesy style stuff that we see for the niche market that is uh not only certain sectors in anime but those that influence certain you know sectors in gaming are they making those switches because that fan base is rabid enough that they're putting their dollars where their mouth is to support it, like so it justifies them making the switch in art direction? I'd, I would I'd, assume that would, like, if they keep doing it, so does that mean there's, I'm, I'm sure it's not a lot of money, but, like, is the money en- there enough to justify it? Like, look, we have to sacrifice a couple things, or this is what we're doing in the 2010s or 2015, so financially it's justifiable. But I mean, that has to be part of it, right? You, you know, would think so, right? Because, like I said, I mean, I know, like I feel like with a lot of anime, that there's they they know there's this core that you know, and, and to bring it back to wrestling, I guess, like think about promotions, you know, like on ROH or, or whatever, um, those promotions where they. They're doing what they need to do to serve and keep that core fan base. Right. But they're never going to get beyond that because what they have to do to please that small group of fans and what they have to do to reach a far wider audience are two totally different things. Mm. You know, like I I think a lot of this stuff, like I was saying, it's just like they, they know you know, I mean, a Neptunia game, right? Are you going to put that up against a Persona, a Final Fantasy, a Dragon Quest? You know, no, because those, those, the level of, you know, RPG polish and design are just so totally different. So you make that game in a specific way that will hit upon that target audience that will always buy that kind of game. But because you are focusing on making them happy, that you're not going to ever have a product that will that will be of interest to most other people you just said neptunia and this reminded me you know i've never bought any of the games and we've talked about that series in the past kind of taking some jabs at it but recently they just released i think it was i don't know if it was funimation they released the anime series on set in june and i'm like you know what i had kind of the money at the time like you know what 40 bucks on amazon I always thought kind of the premise of it was kind of funny, like with the big three gaming companies, and it was a fantastic and, premise. I just like I just hate the execution. But and here's the thing, like and but, so clarification, I did not wind up buying it. But I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I'm gonna plink down forty bucks because I know I would never go through these games, just whether it be for time reasons or what have you. And I watched some preview trailers. I'm like, you know, before I order this, I want to see some stuff what I'm getting into, and I just couldn't do it. <laughs> you know, because I like, I actually like some of the art. I like some of the art direction. I'm like, oh, it looks, you know, okay. I can put up with some hokey stuff. But I watched about five to eight minutes worth of footage, and I was just like, no way. Now, as much as I'm dogging anime right now, going back to my biased taste, whether that be action, sci fi, there are some series out there right now which I do feel are great. And within the last 12 to 18 months, so that's certainly new. Everything from what I've mentioned in the past from Parasite to Terraformers, which I really like. Um, And even, I didn't get through it all, but Knights of Sidonia, 
which is now on home video, but it was on Amazon. It debuted on, uh, excuse me, debuted on Netflix a bit over a year ago, and now you can buy it on disc. Um, what else have I been watching? But uh, I did go back. I did my homework, and I wish we would have talked about it sooner because I don't remember it uh, as vividly. But I went back and watched. Um, is it Utena? Oh yes, that's right. <laughs> I forgot about that. I was gonna have you watch that movie, wasn't I? Yes, yeah, so I went through it on on uh, Hulu, and I, as a matter of fact, I might actually go through it again because it's. But that was a good six weeks ago or so. But uh, what was the deal? The battles resulted in getting the maiden or the is that am I yeah? But the the caveat is that the main lead winds up being uh, a female fighter, so she winds up getting the services of that maiden. Am I on the right track here? I was, I was like, are you trying to explain Utena? Because, like... <laughs> and I pronounced it wrong. I know it, it, it's Utena, but I was saying about Utena. That's what we used to call it. Um, yeah, I mean, because, yeah, once you get past that very, very basic explanation, like, I want to hear you explain any other plot point in this, in this show. <laughs> so am I out of line? Stop me. So it kind of turns into a... It tiptoes on the territory of a lesbian relationship well the so um and i'm not gonna say the names i'll butcher them because i don't remember them exactly but the 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 guy who's in charge of the anime definitely meant for there to be lesbian undertones in the anime version but the person who then handled the manga didn't like that so he he i think i think it was a hinonashi uh he had them toned down or taken out when it came to the manga translation of the series oh um so did you watch the movie or the tv show oh i i would the movie so maybe i okay, should go, yes yeah the movie no no the, yeah i i mean part of me feels sorry for you because if, if if you only watch the movie you are so lost as to <laughs> what's going on um not to be clear, not that watching the TV show explains everything because the movie is kind of a separate beast. But you at least then are kind of familiar with some of these characters and like their personality types and and things like that. Especially like the the character Nanami when she shows up as like, a cow and you're like, I don't know what's going on here <laughs> at all. Uh, but no, I would love like I would love for you to watch it again, and I want to just talk to you and have you explain what happens in this movie. <laughs> I, I didn't dislike it. Beyond just yes, there is a girl and another girl, and they the one girl fights for the other girl, and then she wins her, and then they're together. And what does that mean? <laughs> Beyond yeah, I was, that, I want to see how much of this plot you can explain. Yeah, I was saying, I was like, oh, this is a great suggestion. It was right <laughs> up my alley. You know, when we were reminiscing about classic anime on the last episode, I, I threw out that Vampire Hunter D again. I always go back to that. And it was so funny. <laughs> Someone must be listening to our show in the realm of uh, anime creation because there was a rumor floating around that it actually may be confirmed. Now, you ready for this? Hmm. There's supposed to be a Vampire Hunter D anime series in the works. Wow. I don't know how I feel about that because... You know, I don't want them to botch it up, but also the original Vampire Hunter D will be out on Blu-ray in August. That's cool. 
And on another Vampire Hunter D note, a manga that I have been reading readily for the last few years is the Vampire Hunter D manga. And there's seven volumes out. Mind you, that's over the course of now eight or nine years. <laughs> yes. And the female artist uh, who I became a big fan of through this series, I believe it's Psycho Takaki. She was uh, handpicked to do the Vampire Hunter D manga. She does it all by herself. And I don't know where in the hell Volume 8 is. I don't know if she's died of fatigue and exhaustion or what. Because I don't know how she... Have you seen the Vampire Hunter D manga? I have not. Okay, so maybe... Well, maybe it'll be... Maybe Santa will put it on the list for this year. Some of those... Uh, I think you would... Uh, I think you'd like it. Hmm. And I like her stuff. You know, it has a little bit of a feminine touch, but it's all... It's all, you know, it's black and white. But here's the goal. For all of the Vampire Hunter D novels, which I don't know how many there are, 20 or 30... The goal is to take each one of those and translate those into manga form, and she was the one handpicked to do it. Hmm. So, like, volume one, I believe, was the first Vampire Hunter D, because that's how it was in sequence. And then I think, like, volume three, if I'm not mistaken, was Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust. Because that's how, but, like, two, four, five, six, seven, all those are different Vampire Hunter D stories based off, you know, the novels in sequence. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's always it's always interesting to me, like just the kind of um, the the time frame it can take for some titles to really get completed in terms of manga. Like you'll have manga that that just start at one point and then um, takes like years and years and years for like a final chapter to come out or something like that. Well, this is nuts because, and it was kind of scary to think of, like. If she was to stick with this and see it through at the pace she's going before, it was like two books a year, which is a crazy pace. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, we'll say one a year, if that. If she were to really go through and see this project through, I I wouldn't see the end of this series until I was put close to my 60s. Yeah. Or 50s, you know what I mean? That's crazy. But speaking of uh, anime, if you don't mind the stand on this a little more, a series that I went back to, I was about a decade late, but I went back to and I watched all of the anime series and I read about eight or nine of the manga of the 35 or 37 of which are available. Did you ever see Gantz? Um, I know of it and and I know a little, little bit about it, but never actually read it. Yeah, or, that was real, really... Crazy, violent, over-the-top uh, sci-fi action series. Yeah, that's that's a that's a wicked one. But I went back and saw that. Um, I was going to bring up because I know, like, in terms of the the length, that you know, one of my favorites and one of the things that got me into to manga was Nausicaa, uh or Nausicaa. Oh yes, you, yes, Westerner. yes, and. I mean, that started in 1982 and wasn't finished until 1994. And that wow. was only like seven volumes. Wow. So it took like that long. It took 12 years to get those seven <laughs> volumes out. Um, 
I was going to say, too, that I know a few people on Twitter tweeted me the fact that they went and watched the Utena movie because of our podcast. Yeah. I can't remember who it was now, but I, I do know that I convinced a few people to go see it. And their feedback seemed to have been positive as well, right? Yeah, it's... Uh, I think, like I said before, it's it's a... Um, I don't promise people are going to like it because <laughs> like if if you if you're the kind of person who sits you know with somebody while watching a movie and you're asking them a bunch of questions so you can understand what's going on like you will hate this show because <laughs> it's very um, uh, you know a lot of symbolism going on a lot of uh, unexplained things going on a lot of kind of like head scratchers but it's it. I may I shouldn't say this. Um I somehow watched an HD version of the Utena movie recently. Really? Yes. Uh I I may not have done it in the best of ways, but cuz I cuz the reason why cuz they announced that Utena's coming out on Blu-ray. Will that come here stateside? Yes. Okay. Say stateside. Okay. But the the kind of place where I was confused was um, in Japan for the Blu-ray release, the movie was just included as part of the entire set. Oh, with, I, the, with the uh, animated series? Yeah, the, with, oh. with, with, the, with the TV show. Okay. And I don't think at this time they had announced whether or not it would be the same thing in America. Mm. So I, I don't know if we know for sure if we're getting the movie as well. And so... I went out and I was looking for ways to to actually legally purchase a copy of the movie, and then I may have just found a way to watch it otherwise. Mm. Um, so until until I can buy it, which I'm absolutely going to buy it, I was watching that again and I was like, "Wow, I need to sit down and actually rewatch this." And surprisingly, I don't have the info in front of me, but that was not Clamp. No, 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 that was not Clamp. Yeah. That was uh, B. Pappas, mm. I do believe. Hmm. Um. Yeah. Who else? God. Who? What else did they do? I'm trying to think. What else they did? Because it was. It was. Um. My. The way I remember it is the. Oh my God! Don't search for that. The main guy <laughs> on Utena. He had some connection to Sailor Moon. Like he was one of the um, like assistant directors or something oh, like that okay. on Sailor Moon. Okay. So let's see. Speaking of Sailor Moon, not to change gears on uh, on you. Did you invest in the Sailor Moon Blu-ray releases here? I was I s- thinking. I was thinking about it. I saw it at the store yesterday and I had it in my hand, but I didn't do it. I was thinking about it, but I heard that like it's one of those Blu-ray releases that is um, just kind of upscaled. Mm. Like it's not actual proper right. Blu-ray, Blu-ray right. HD transfer; it's just an upscale. So I was I I am really really considering getting the DVD versions because uh, I think at that point, just because they're they're not like true Blu-ray versions of the, of the show, right? The DVD version might be enough. Do you know what I saw? Speaking of that, I, I'll tell you where I was. I was on Best Buy yesterday. And in their new releases section, I was taken aback. They had on DVD, it was a six-disc set, I believe. 
Super Robot Tyson. Hmm. I was like, what? I was shocked. And I almost did it because it wasn't that expensive. And the only the only knowledge I really have of that is I really enjoyed the I believe it was the Super Robot Tyson OG Saga Frontier on DS. Yes. I, that game made me laugh my ass off. I think we talked about that in the past. I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that was... Yeah, yeah, so I didn't know the anime had come over here. No, I had no idea. Um, just, just so I can correct myself, so anybody who's going to write in to me and tell me how I was wrong. <laughs> uh, so the the main guy between, behind Utena is Kunihiko Ikuhara, who he was working on the anime version of Sailor Moon. He directed a number of the episodes and everything. And then he broke off. He started, like I mentioned, Bee Papas. And so he's kind of the creator behind uh, Utena, one of the main creators. And then the manga artist was a she. It's Chiho Saito, who's a, a, a known shoujo artist. And so she did the manga version of Utena and she didn't the way that I understand the story going is she didn't like the kind of lesbian overtones so she took those out whereas in the anime version those were in there mm. so have you I can't, I can't think of what else I did though anyway sorry go ahead no I was going to say outside of Utena have you watched anything else lately or <sighs> Not like not anime wise. Like I, it's I. I'm really bad about you know we talk about the game stuff. And I'm bad about the same thing about like media because I guess like my kind of thing is if I watch something I never watched before, I want to really give it my full attention. Right. But lately, I've just felt so busy that I'm kind of like I don't want to sit here and just for two hours do nothing but watch something. Mm. So I haven't watched much. I did sit down and finally watch um, Edge of Tomorrow. Because I bought that. That's the one with uh, Tom Cruise. Oh, yeah. Okay. All you, need, all you need is kill? Yeah. All you need is kill. I, you ready for this? I've actually read the book. Oh, I, yes. I saw the movie in theaters and I have the manga here, but I have not read the manga yet. Yeah. I, you know what? The movie was a very big surprise to me. That was yeah. actually... I thought that was one of the better... Movies in 2014. Yeah, it was. It wasn't bad. Um, cause I, cause like, the, and the last three Blu-rays I bought were that and Kingsman and John Wick, and I hadn't seen Edge of Tomorrow or John Wick yet. Mm. Um, but so like, yeah, like, especially in terms of anime, I've got a bunch of stuff queued up on like Hulu and Netflix and stuff. I just have not gotten around. Oh to yeah, mine it. is my yeah. I've told you this before. Mine is deadly. It's it's as yep. bad as the gaming backlog. But I mean, the problem really is like anime is such a big commitment. You know, <laughs> like just everything's like you know twenty four episodes, thirty eight episodes, fifty two. Right. Like like I mean, I One Piece or Naruto, like never, ever, never, <laughs> ever. And even saying I want to I want to watch Sailor Moon, right? Like I'm not gonna sit down and just watch Sailor Moon, you know. It almost has to be like, you know, I mean, because I watch um, one of my local stations every night during the week at 10 o'clock has reruns of Seinfeld on. Oh. So, so they have two Seinfeld episodes. And so I always watch that. You know? You're crazy. Why? 
Just keep going. Okay. Just you're crazy. Interesting. <laughs> so, like, I, I feel like I have to watch Sailor Moon like I watch Seinfeld, right? It's just, like, randomly watch <laughs> an episode. You know, like, just know that I'm never going to sit down and just watch the Well, wait, thing. speaking of Seinfeld, not that I'm the biggest fan, but now you have access to all of it on Hulu. Yeah, but it's it's that's weird. Uh, you're mm, yeah, okay. It's, it's it's really weird for me because like I have if very it's, if it's on. I'm assuming you're the type if it's on and it's there, that's kind of the excuse. But you're not. You won't turn Hulu on to be like, hey, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to get my fix of Seinfeld. Okay, so this is I don't know. This, this probably sound weird. <laughs> um, like I'm a really, really, really big Seinfeld fan. Mm-hmm. I think I feel like it ruins my experience if I can just watch it whenever. <laughs> like I I have so few passions when it comes to television that one of my passions is knowing that when it becomes 10 o'clock at night, Seinfeld will be on and I can watch it. So I'm going to paint a picture for listeners between you and I. <laughs> now, you and I have a ton in common. I think that's. I think that's fair to say between gaming, anime, just magazine collections, gaming collections, passionate wrestling, right? But just to put, just to remind listeners that there are some differences. <laughs> I'm you're on one end of the spectrum, and then I'm on the other. You you can go back and watch classic episodes of Seinfeld, and for myself, I can do that with Married with Children. Good show. <laughs> Good show. I love married children. Yeah, it is. It like uh, not not to stop you from making your point, but could could they make that show in 2015? No, no. And and you ready for this? Uh, speaking of Best Buy again, yes, because there's I, I'm I'm going to keep interrupting you. That's all right. Like one of my favorite jokes I I, I was reminded of it recently was in the, this is like so bad, but. Uh, so Al's uh, sitting in a shoe store, and like, of course he's sitting in a shoe store, and there's this rather obese lady he's trying to put <laughs> shoes on, you know, and he makes some like quip to her, and she's like, I, I can't believe you would say it to my face. And <laughs> I can't even like, say it without laughing. Right. And then his response is like, well, I would say it to your back, but my car only has half taken gas. <laughs> You know, it's just like you you cannot make that joke anymore. Like there are so many jokes on that show that like you would just get roasted for in this day and age. And, you know, I mean, I'm somebody who is very I don't want to say politically correct, but who's very much about like, you know, equality and inclusivity and things like that. But I also think there's times when you just have to just be able to laugh at yourself and laugh at the world and like things like that are just to me still so funny, but yeah, you could never make that show in 2015. It's, well, they had they had the entire Married with Children like every episode. Mm-hmm. It was like on some 12 DVD disc set for like 30 yep. bucks. Yep. But I put that down. I said I can't get caught. I can't get caught up in this. But I mean, because it's like okay, like if you mm-hmm. bought that, right? Right. What would you do with it? Oh, I know. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, because like it, it really is like I know I thought I thought about this because there have been times when I did think about something like a Seinfeld, or I was starting to collect Lost on on Blu-ray, mm. but then I was like, I am never 
I'm never going to sit down and just rewatch this entire Lost, you know? Or like Married with Children or Seinfeld or whatever. Like, to me, it's fun to know it'll be on at 10 o'clock at night and then just watch it every night as something kind of a ritual before going to bed or whatever. But, like, if I had the entire thing just sitting there, I don't know. Like, I'm not going to just sit down and just, like, like, just specifically watch that, I don't think. Well, there's certain, with my collection, with what I've stripped it down to, like, what I own, I want to own, and that includes mm-hmm. some anime and series, etc. I will also say there are times when I will go back to X movie and watch it again, but in the same regard, I'm not the type of person, there are some people I've learned that can, like, let's say I buy a new movie that's like, um, a recent, I, I like X-Men Days of Future Past, mm-hmm. right? I thought it was pretty good. I, I saw it at home, and it was better than I expected, and I'm glad I own it. And I'll probably go back again and watch it maybe once or twice realistically at some point. But there are people, when they get a new movie or whatever, they're watching it like three times in a day or three times in a week, five times in a week. I I can't do that. I'll say I, I can. I can. I, 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 yeah. I like. I mean, like I'm the kind of person who... I think I actually did this recently, and I don't remember if it was Dark Knight or something, but I watched it one day, and then, like, three days later, I'm like, I kind of want to watch that again. <laughs> so, like, every yeah, movie... I'm not I, laughing. I'm not making fun of you. I just... I, no. I don't know. Yeah, so, that, like, every movie I have on my shelf is the kind of movie I could just watch kind of over and over. Mm. Like, I'm looking at, like, I, like, Die Hard. God, I've seen Die Hard so many times. Really? Um, Better Off Dead, I've seen so many times. Aliens, Tremere 2, Constantine. Um. You know what movie I went back to last, my birthday last year, one of the nice gifts I got, I got the entire Star Wars set, which I wanted on Blu-ray. So so you got you got half of a good gift. Uh, right. So, But for complete... Half, half crappy <laughs> gift, half good gift. But time out. Calm down. <laughs> Calm yourself. So... A few months ago, I finally got around to actually watching something out of there. Just going back to the time thing. And I watched Empire Strikes Back. That was the first movie I watched in there. Mm. And it's the, I, I enjoyed it. I, I couldn't believe how great it looked on the Blu-ray transfer. Like It looked so good that certain oh, yeah. elements of the movie looked even phonier because everything was so crisp and clean and all that. Yeah, yeah. And recently, I got in a, I got a bug again, and I'm like, oh, I want to watch another movie out of there. So I popped in Return of the Jedi. And I just, I got to tell you, you know, I enjoyed Return of the Jedi. It wasn't my favorite in the series, but like, I thought it was a good movie. But, you know, I watched that thing recently, and it wasn't bad, but, like, I was just like, wow. Like, I haven't seen this movie in, like, over 20 years. And it's just not what I like. I didn't have those same feelings. I mean, it's got some really cool, like like when you're at the Luke and Vader stuff, right? That stuff's awesome, and there are some awesome parts to it. But it it does, it's it's just it feels especially after Empire because Empire was such a good movie, right? That uh, Jedi does just feel weak in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, especially especially at that point, being the kind of finale for everything, like oh, it was a kind of a rough way to to end. Yeah. Now, what I haven't done 
is I'm actually I actually want to go back and watch a little bit of the prequels, not because I'm a huge fan of them, but I just want to see what the visuals look like. Well, if you if you want to like Jedi more, you should watch <laughs> the prequels. Did you be think like, they were all that? Did you think they were all that bad? You'll though? Be like, man, time out! That time out! Time out! You'll be like that. Return of the Jedi is so good, isn't it? Time out. Do you, and I'm going. Up, I uh, all, you think all three of them? No, they're horrible. All three. Yes. And I'm not sitting over here defending myself because I saw those in theaters. I did, I did too. So uh, well, uh, uh, let me. Cl- I saw those in theaters, and that was the only time I saw them. So. Mm. Me owning these on Blu-ray is the first time I probably that I own them, and certainly all of them. So, what I mean by that is I need to refresh. But I, I the total Jar Jar Binks thing in the first one totally get that. That was that was a buzz kill. I thought Darth Maul was pretty cool. I thought some of the visuals at the time were pretty. No, there were there were some. I mean, like like I, I think in a different trilogy. Um, Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan would have been fantastic because he was actually a very good part of those prequels. Mm-hmm. It was just there was so much around him that was garbage that he just there was not much he could do to save those movies. Mm. And, he, and that character was just completely wasted. But I mean, you have like Anakin and Padme, which they have no chemistry whatsoever. And the second movie is god awful because of that. See, I need to go back and watch it again because when I saw this, you know, I was young. It's been a while, so I need to. Maybe I need to take a look yeah, at it. And for then that. You, you have just Anakin in general that you. I mean, like you have to think about like watch it and actually really think about what you're watching because these are movies where you know the ending, right? You know what's going to happen. You know, right? Anakin turns into Vader and the good guys lose and stuff. <clears throat> so you have to make a series of movies that keep you compelled even though you know how they're going to end but lucas just could not do that like there's there's nothing compelling through the entirety of them and anakin skywalker like you never ever care about him you don't like him there's never a point where you actually truly want to see him win so if you don't want to see him win then there's no emotional attachment to when he loses Mm. I don't know. I, I I could sit here for hours on top of those movies, and and like especially if you ever watch. I don't know if you know the Red Letter Media stuff on on YouTube, but if if you if you have any hope of wanting to like them, then don't watch their stuff because they actually sit there and they have like per movie they have these like three hour long reviews of each one where they Just go through they go through dissecting this everything bit by bit dissect everything in the movie. And when you come out, you're like, wow, I, I, I now even more appreciate how god-awful these things were. It was a lot of the stuff they said justified, in your opinion, or, or like... Yeah, I mean, because I'll, I'll give you an example I always, I always like using, is um, there's a part where the, the main reviewer guy, he's like, okay, I'm going to ask you about characters. And when you explain these characters to me, you know, you, you. I want you to. I want you to tell me who these characters are and what you know what they are and and, and stuff. Oh, you might have done this to me, but on a yeah. different topic. Yeah, I, I did. I did. Yes, this is where it came from. Where it's like, you can't tell me what they look like or their profession, right? And so he goes through and he's like, explain to me Han Solo, and you know they're like, oh, 
this dashing rogue who who yeah, kind of a smart aleck. Yeah, smart aleck. Yeah, he's easy to describe. See, down, down, deep inside, he's got a good heart, but blah, blah, you know. And they ask about, like, Princess Leia, and they, they give all this big explanation for Princess Leia. And then they, he asks, like, C-3PO, and they can explain all that stuff. And then they're like, okay, explain Padme, you know. Ex- explain, like, these <laughs> different characters, you know, Qui-Gon Chi. And these people have no idea what to say. And that's, like, the real problem is, like, just none of those characters that you, you just cared about at all. There was no emotional investment in anybody in in those movies. Right, and that's the kiss of death and yeah. entertainment or whatever. Well, let me ask you this on this uh, impromptu Star Wars topic. Are you looking forward to oh. Episode 7? I am so excited for that. And it's, I mean, it's a tough part because I was so excited for The Phantom Menace. And then we now all know how that turned out. But, like, I actually have, like, I, I think there's not... Often I would say this, and especially not with the whole uh, Kojima stuff going around lately, you know. But there's not often when I'm happy to have a creator have his creation taken away from him. But I think that is far and away the best thing to happen to Star Wars at this point. Is to have Lucas far away from it, you know. And I think it was evident in Star Trek that Abrams really wanted to be making Star Wars instead. Mm. And he's always said he wanted to be making Star Wars much more than Star Trek. So I, I think, you know, I just like I said that the 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 teasers and stuff I've seen so far, just everything about those, make me have those kind of same feelings of excitement I felt in the original trilogy. Wow. So I don't know. Like I I have a lot of hope, and it's it's always scary to have hope because I've had so many movies that I went into really excited and walked out not excited, but. I have, I still have faith that this is going to be a really good movie. Hmm. And so I hope it is because nothing would be better than kind of just wiping away the, the um, disease that the prequels brought in. Did, did Lucas have to relinquish the, how did that work? Did he sell? He sold the whole thing just to Disney. Okay, so he tech, so technically he will never be involved with Star Wars again. Well, no, no, he had he did he did still have some involvement, and with the latest I mean, one, he sold Lucas film. I think he had some involvement in the original kind of ideas and concepts for what this new movie would be. Okay, but he's but, not the, obviously he's not the one executing the vision. He might yeah, at the, at the end of the day, he's not the one deciding stuff. And then. Had him around as just creative input, but that's it. And then what's the deal? So we have episode seven coming. Or is that right? Yeah. Yes. And now there's going to be an offshoot, another um, another series of Star Wars. They're gonna. They want to do at least one a year, which I I think Whoa. this is where things get crazy. Um. I, I I have friends who have been like, that's fine. Like, I want to see. I'm like, I don't know that we need that much. It's going to be like Assassin's Creed. Yeah. And, and I, I, the first thing with like all the superhero stuff, like, I'm just feeling like it's going to so be like, it's going to be like Neptunia. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> no, there were like, what, three Neptunia games this year? I don't yeah, know. that's, that's going to be Star Wars. But I know they're going to, they want to do, uh, uh, Han Solo Origins movie. Oh, stop. And uh, Boba Fett movie. Will you stop it? I know, I'm being serious. And <laughs> other stuff. So they're definitely, you know, it's they, because the, the problem is, okay, it, 
you know, everything would just be sequels, right? Right. You want to make a sequel. Come, you want to make sequels to movies. And then everything had to be a trilogy, right? Like, everything was, we're going to make three movies. Yeah, what the hell? Like, the, uh, who do you blame? Did Lord of the Rings kind of bring that home? It's kind of cemented that in the last 15 years? I think years Lord of the, the Rings helped, helped really, yeah, popularize wow. I mean, they, they weren't the, obviously the first one, but right. I think they really helped set that in. And then everything became the last movie is going to be broken into two movies. Yeah, they keep, yeah. Because Harry Potter did that and. Um, Twilight, not that Hunger, Hunger Games. Not that I've seen all those. Twilight, the next uh, Avengers is going to be that. It's going to be two parts. Avengers needs to take a break. But now everything is cinematic universe. Everybody wants everything to be like, like <laughs> there were all the things about Sony's plans, right? Sony wanted Spider-Man to become a universe. Yeah. And they were going to have like this, they were going to talk about like an Aunt May movie is how far they were getting. I mean, uh, aren't we kind of stretching things here? Yeah, so that's why. So like, so like, Disney desperately wants like the Star Wars cinematic universe. So just doing the three new, you know, parts of the trilogy just aren't enough. Hey, you know what? If if they treat Metal Gear the same way they're treating this uh, new trend in universes, Metal Gear might be able to be done justice. But then we'd have like Metal Gear Meryl. They'd have to do like. There's enough content in those in that series to do like 200 Metal Gear movies. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. I wonder so what the, happens to the Metal Gear movie now with this uh, falling out with Konami and stuff. Because you figure Konami would have the rights, right? I would think so, and I mean, I don't see why they would want to give it up. Hmm. So, it's. Uh, did, you see, did you see the pick uh, within it's gonna the? Be, last it's gonna be. It's gonna be Uwe Boll. It's gonna be the. Uh, <laughs> okay. I've seen his House of the Dead movie too. Oh, I saw that in theaters. Oh, st- but no, no, wait. So we had this thing called Bad Movie Tuesday, where we'd go to like the the dollar dollar theater, yeah, and see bad movies. So we saw it there. So I didn't I didn't pay full price for it. Mm. You never cease to amaze me. But I mean, when they actually had gameplay footage interspliced in that movie, <laughs> like that was amazing. It was so amazing. The line I re- always remember was, or maybe it was in an interview with Uwe Ball, was, it was an action-packed tour de force <laughs> in describing that movie. Mm. So, um, before we go, we had a few emails I wanted to read. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're, they're a little bit older. What's, uh, what's our email address? I'm always afraid to give it out because I'm not sure what the current one is. It is gvgp at morningproject.com. All right. And these are a little bit older, but we hadn't gotten to them yet, so I thought it, it would be, you know, good to hit on them. So let me... Oops, I clicked the wrong one. Oh, God, this is so long. Okay, this is a novel. Uh, is this the future of consoles? No. All right. Um, oh, this is from Mad Tiger. Oh. And I'm going to change a few things here. God, uh, let me just blaze so I can blaze through this. Um, hey, Molly and Anthony. It's been a long t- I'm a, I've been a long-time fan of the podcast and have always meant to write in and tell you how wonderful you are. I've gushed quite a bit to Anthony, but I thought I should send an email and make my love for your show official. <laughs> Admittedly, I'm not much of a podcast person, but when I do listen to them, I always pick GVGP. 
I followed Anthony over from the Double Plus Good Games podcast. This sounds so rigged. <laughs> Keep going. I, st- I still love the Bida episode the best. I don't even know what that means. Um, and became an instant fan. The pairing of Molly and Anthony makes for a very entertaining listen, even when it's on topic. Oh, even when it's on topics, I know nothing about, like, wrestling. So, a.k.a. Like tonight. Um, I find myself laughing all the time. You definitely brighten my day with your banter, provide insightful thoughts on video games, and make a great show. I'm also glad you've tightened up the length a bit. While I loved the long shows, the shorter episodes make it easier for me to listen to. Hopefully it means it's easier to do regular recordings as well. I've also tried to spread the good word of GVGP and even got my coworker hooked on the show. While we technically aren't supposed to stream music podcasts at work, we've sneaked in an episode here and there when the bosses weren't around. Uh, so this is a little bit older, so like I said. So some specific notes on episode 8. To my shame, I haven't had the time to listen to 9. Uh, I like Megadine Luca a, bi- a lot, but Anthony had it a bit wrong. I'm actually a huge IA fan. IA? What am I missing in the IA? What is the I, IA? I don't know. That's It's obviously from Vocaloid, right? Never or Hatsune Miku? Is she, is she? I'm trying to think of which Vocaloid she is. Uh-oh. Hmm. I don't know, because she's not, she's not one of like, the, the Krypton <laughs> ones. So. Uh, I was so bummed that Demon Gaze never got her DLC. And you were right about the word Vocaloid. It technically only refers to the Yamaha Corp-developed software. Um, I'm jealous that you, meaning me, got to see the concert live. I'd love to go down for Anime Expo when they host it, but I haven't had the chance. Did they at least let Lucas sing something other than just be friends the second concert they did? Uh, yes. Yes. That was one good thing, because I've, I've always bitched, because for anybody who knows Vocaloids... Um, Whenever Luca does anything, like, concert-wise or whatever, they always make her do the exact same song, which is Just Be Friends. But at the second concert, from my memory, they did have her do Stardust Utopia, which is one of my favorite Luca songs. I was very happy about that. That's my slide, sorry. Um, I like that song, but come on, Luca has better songs than that one. And you're coming by Anthony's trip to an NSYNC concert? Priceless. Uh, Molly, I have also, I also had to touch a little bit on your work for, with EGM. You know, that's the only print magazine I still subscribe to. I'm happy with the score you gave the Vita, but said that no one agrees with you. Anyway, great stuff, and, and while I've pulled away from the IGNs and GameSpots, I still seek out EGM's content regularly. On a personal note, I also wanted to thank Molly for sharing a lot on her personal journey especially on Morning, a huge podcast. While I can't completely emphasize with your situation or pretend to understand, I'm grateful that you shared what you did so openly. It puts in perspective some of the self-image issues I've had. Uh, I remember working so hard to try and be the person other thought I should be that I lost sight of who I truly was. It's hard to stand up and be true to yourself when other people can be so judgmental so when you shared your personal journey, it was thought-provoking. Mm. Uh, especially when I heard how positive you are, and matter of fact, it's something that I think of when I'm having an especially bad day, and it helps me to not back down and conform to what others want me to be, but to be myself. Your courage can be completely accepted of your 
your courage, I'm sorry, your courage to be completely accepting of your true self, no matter what, is inspiring. And all I can say is thank you for sharing that. If anybody else says anything negative to you, which I hope never happens, just remember that there's 10,000 more positive thoughts being sent your way. Well, thank you. Uh, I hope GVGP and the rest of morning radio shows continue until the sun burns out. <laughs> I don't know if we can make that promise or not, but um, I've enjoyed every minute of it, and I hope to be a fan for a long time to come. Thanks for the laughs, Mad Tiger. P.S. I really think Molly and Anthony need to play one of the upcoming Otome games for Vita and talk about it on the show. I'd love to see which guy from Amnesia or Norn 9 you two pick. Well, I, Mad Tiger, will of course be playing those games. So the question is if I can get Anthony to play one of these two and we can see what guy he picks. And then. Uh, I'm up for it. Is uh, Those are both digital novels, correct? Uh Visual novels, yes. Or, uh, yeah, that's uh, yeah. Yes. Okay, okay. Specifically of the otome variety, which of course otome, uh, for those who don't know, are games targeted more towards a female demographic. So otherwise, you play as a girl and you date guys. The so Mad Tiger wants to see what kind of guy is Anthony's type, <laughs> which I am curious of as well. <laughs> So, um, Matt Tiger, I will see if I can get Anthony to play one of those. Said so I should be playing both. I especially want to play Amnesia. So, when um, is that coming out? That's a good question. When is Amnesia coming out? I I will look that up. I will look that up before the end of the show. But let me get to. We have one of the email, and this is from. I'm going to just say Jeff because he doesn't give him a name to to credit him to. I mean, he gives his full name, but I don't use it. I've had a 3DS for the past year or so, and I love it. While listening to your most recent episode, discussions about real-time versus turn-based battle systems made me think about my own RPG consumption habits in the last few years, especially since I bought my own portable. In most of the console RPGs that I've played recently, the game forces uh, you, I'm guessing, to be a more active participant in the combat whether through making your parry or hold down attack buttons to keep damaging the enemy. Okay. In the 3DS's RPGs, uh, Shinmei Tensei 4, Bravely Default, the Etrian Odyssey series, Pokemon, the action is more methodical and al- almost always turn-based. My question is this. Do you think portable game machines will become the realm of what we think of as traditional JRPGs? as fidelity of consoles gets higher and gameplay needs to change with it. So what he's saying is that a lot of the 3DS RPGs he's played recently have been more the turn-based variety, while as console games seem to be going more towards the action space. So what do you think about that, Anthony? Um, I think it's possible that handhelds become the home for the more traditional turn-based style RPG. But that also ties back to, not to make this too simplistic, this could also turn back, uh, harken back to the popularity of handhelds overseas and the Japanese primarily making games for handhelds versus console, which is kind of the side effect of that is, is you're going to see those more traditional Japanese style RPGs on handheld, which... What comes with that territory is the more tradition of turn-based elements. Now, that's not true 100% because 
one of the titles that you and I are looking forward to that we've said 45 million times is Persona 5. And I mean, that would be arguably, that's still a turn-based traditional style JRPG, would you not say? That we know of. Okay, so far, at least up through Persona 4, which is yes. getting a little bit old, older now. But, but yeah, so I mean, to the question... And uh, the other style, the action, more action-oriented titles on console, yes. But I will also say that I do wish some more action-style games were on handheld as well. Or you know, I guess we kind of got. You, if we're on the if we're on the JRPG topic specifically, recently we kind of got a variation in Xenoblade Chronicles 3D. Yeah. Because that's, you know what I mean? But... I I think it's a combination of a few things. I think that... um, You kind of touch on the fact that, like, handhelds are more kind of the Japanese space now. Whereas the consoles... Like, I mean, you saw smaller games, like, going back to Neptunia, you know, that things on that kind of level can still be, like, a turn-based RPG. But I feel like once you get to a certain bigger point... And especially when games that are more cinematic, that I think players just want action now, right? Like you know, you I don't I don't I don't know. Do do players still want like a Final Fantasy that's that's completely turn based? You know, because like, there's so many of these uh, Western RPGs coming out that are kind of mixtures of both that have the strategy and the spell casting, all that kind of stuff, but that are you know, full real time that I don't know if Japanese developers are feeling that they want to go against that. Cause I think that seems to be more and more becoming the popular thing to do, you know, cause I mean, cause if you look at Western RPGs, they are absolutely getting way more action focused. Even looking at things from like, uh, like a mass effect, you know, how different that is between mass effect one and mass effect three. I'm waiting for the point, not to make light of this conversation, I'm just waiting for the point where it gets comes right back around and Ninja Guide and Devil May Cry. Because <laughs> they keep, you know what I mean? It's so weird because now the genres are starting to... Well, I mean, there's people that call, like, Dark Souls RPG. And that just weirds me out. Like, I could never call Dark Souls an RPG. What would you consider it? I Action adventure. Oh. Um, But I think, like, portables, I think there's a few things. I think, so I think... <sighs> I think just first of all, portables aren't... Well, the 3DS, Nintendo's portables, aren't set up to be great at doing a lot of intense action like that. You know, I mean, you can have like a Mario Brothers or a Zelda or things like that, but once you have like a lot of teammates on screen and a lot of enemies on screen and kind of a lot of things to keep up with, like that small screen makes it really hard to do that, I think. So I think turn-based is just an easier thing to get worked out. It's also an easier thing technically, whereas the 3DS is not the most powerful machine out there. And I do kind of think like the 3DS is becoming the, you know, where those kind of classic games can still live on and have a, a an audience. I mean, because, you know, 3DS and 3DS both have become really well known for the first person dungeon crawlers, right? Right. You know, because that just works so perfectly on that system. So I think... It's just kind of by nature brought in the kind of player who's maybe looking for that little more traditional old school style of RPG. Hmm. I don't know. Um, 
so uh, Amnesia, Anthony, it's coming out next month for the Vita and PC. On August? Yeah, I don't know that there's an exact date yet. I need to check and update my list. But that is August. And then Norn 9. What a name. Com- it's coming out. Uh, Norn 9 colon Var Commons. It's coming out for Vita in uh, fall of 2015. What is the premise behind Norn 9? Which sounds I'm like trying to think tongue- which one Norn is. There's... Because I know one of the ones coming up, I think, is based on The Wizard of Oz. There's also Code Realize for Vita. <laughs> These names are priceless. Boy, there's a lot for, for, for Vita. Um, that's also in fall. So we, we have like more than a few choices for what we could do if we're going to make Anthony play an Otome game. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remember some of those names and do mix and match for some new passwords. Yes. There's uh, <laughs> X-Blaze Lost Memories, which I think is also a visual novel. Wow. Um, yeah, uh, the North American version of Steins Gate is also, I'm sorry, Steins Gate is also August. I already own it. I, um, yeah, I, I, I screwed up and bought it already. I'm a step ahead. I know. I wish they would. I don't. I don't want the UK version. Yeah, that's what I got on PS3. So I might. I might be doing a giveaway maybe for that in the future. Ooh. Well, before we sign out, uh, and I guess a teaser for the coming weeks, maybe we'll discuss a little bit of a little bit more of Odin Sphere next time. Uh, it could be more interesting the next time we meet because hopefully their new project will be announced. Uh, maybe a bit of a fallout from Gamescom in Germany. Uh, Xbox's last stand over there to try and uh, get things flowing in that market as it's pretty much uh, yeah, dead. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's tough. Oh, that's tough. So, Scalebound will be shown. Uh, also, real quick, I don't want to open the can of worms, but uh, throwing this out there. The new Tomb Raider PlayStation 4 owners will have to wait one year after it hits Xbox One this November. Uh, PC gets it early 2016, and um, weird announcement. Weird announcement. I think I don't know. I, I see it both ways. So I think there's good. Uh, there's potentially more bad to it for. I, I think the only people who really get to suffer in this, and it's not even just the PS4 owners or and and that. I think it's the Tomb Raider fans. Yeah, I, I that's that's who are taking the hit there, and then uh, so yeah, everything from Gamescom. Atlas and Vanillaware's uh, new announcement. We'll be getting into TGS season. Uh, there's the Odin Sphere HD, which we talked a little bit about earlier. So there are still some exciting things. Um, as summer comes to a close, the next time we meet, uh, we get close to fall, which in turn starts the tidal wave of releases. So... Um, for Molly and myself, Anthony. Wait, 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 oh. wait, wait, wait. Oh, I was wait. signing you out. I know. <laughs> Hang on a second. Got a question for you. Yep. So you're 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 playing the Dragon's Crown dating game. Does Anthony date uh, the Archer, the Sorceress, or the Amazon? We haven't talked about this on the show. I don't know if we have or not. I, um. I mean, you can pick the guys too if you want. I, you know, I don't. I don't mean to to make any assumptions of your life choices. I'm just. 
I don't know who's the okay. So what? While while these is it warlock? While what, what's 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 the what's the guy what's what's the guy magic user? Because uh, um, there there's knight, there's dwarf, and then what's the wizard? Like what a, is it's not sorcerer. Well, there's there's a sorceress. No, sorceress. They both I don't know, like type like a paladin or something or. I don't know. No, he's not a paladin. He's like a magic user. I... What is he? Oh my god! I, why do I have to look this up? Because uh, there's a sorceress. There's Amazon. I'm I'm probably getting oh elf. Her name's Elf. Wizard. Okay, just just wizard. You know, I like, what? I like okay, like I like how some of like this is so funny to me because some of these characters get named by their profession, right? <laughs> Fighter. Sorceress, wizard, okay. Amazon, uh, not really a profession. Kind of more, you know, a a. Not really a race, just more like a not, not kind of nationality, just like a type of person. Okay, whatever. It's almost like a stereotype based off her. Yeah, but then like you get life. out of the out of the human characters, and then your name is just whatever your race is. <laughs> so you have elf and dwarf. <laughs> They didn't even get like name, like, like like professions or anything. To answer your question, while the sorceress has a lot to offer, um, in the game I wound up picking the Amazon. Oh, interesting. Yep, I went. So you, so you are a thighs slash ass <laughs> man. Is what this saying? is so ridiculous. <laughs> this is so. Ridiculous. So are you are you a big Chun Li fan then too? Uh. You know, I I love the Chun Li art, like the Chun Li character, especially some of Aki Man's work. So I'm a big fan of all that. Totally cool character. But you know, when it comes down to me actually playing Street Fighter, I very, very, very rarely choose Chun Li. But I love the character. I mean, I don't know if that makes any sense. Like, I think the character's awesome. Who do you play as? Uh, years ago, I always used to I used to play Guile a lot, but oh, I um, I'm just trying to think of some off the top of my head. You know, you evil Ryu. Oh. But when I when I say evil Ryu, I'm not really talking Street Fighter Four though. I can't uh, do this podcast with you anymore. No, but <laughs> hold on, hold on. Um, uh, you know, I like Guy. Okay, that's okay. That's okay. Guy's fu- Guy's a fun character. Um, who else do I mess around with? Yeah, you know Cody a little bit. The Cody's interesting. You know, um, my problem is the short answer should be I like Guile a lot, but the reason I never play him in Street Fighter Four is I just can't stand the character model. Really? Yeah, I hate the. Ca- I just do not like the character model for Guile in Street Fighter Four. Hmm. I just. I don't want to be too harsh, but I almost want to say it's, it's terrible. And I really don't have an issue with a lot. Like, I like the art style of Guile from, like, the Street Fighter Two like, Turbo days. Like, right in that. You know what I mean? Like, that look. Hmm. I don't know. It just I, Maybe it's just a transition from the way it went from the sprite to the, you know, the, the 3D look. But Nash, who's a similar type gameplay character, you know, Nash and Street Fighter Five, the art direction... You know, it has a twist on it, but it's that I think they got pretty damn good. Like, he looks yeah. pretty awesome, you know. 
Yeah, but you, yeah, Nash plays really different though now. I was looking at some footage of Cause, him because I mean he and, like because yeah. first of all he's he's not a charge character at all. Yeah, the stance looks totally different now, right? Yeah, no, he's really. I mean, like it's it's funny because I would never think this, but so far he's been the character I've been I've been maining. So let's do this. We'll end on an embarrassment. Not in the beta. Not in the beta because of <laughs> God forbid I get into that. This is very embarrassing, and I should not tell this story back in school, like, I don't know, middle school, whatever. I remember we had, there was an assignment. We had to, like, make a paper of who we wanted to be when we were older or whatever, or, like, what we wanted to aspire to. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Wait, was your aspiration in life to throw a sonic boom? Is that what you're going to tell me? <laughs> and I remember I did a cutout. And I think I cut out a – I don't know if it was from – I definitely would have done it from a gaming magazine that I didn't care about because I know I would. I didn't cut up Game Fan or whatever. So I probably took like a Game Pro and I cut out a shot of Guile and I like pasted that on the <laughs> – <laughs> That is amazing. Yep. But, uh, but yeah, so – so yeah, so we'll have a lot of uh, there should be a lot of interesting things uh, next time around on the generic video game podcast. So uh, don't forget to uh, subscribe on iTunes, leave comments at radio.morningproject.com. and uh, we appreciate everyone listening, being patient, giving us the time. And for Molly and myself, Anthony, we'll catch you in another four weeks. Have a good one.